here for Fan Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, joining me as co-host for tonight's show is Jay Schusman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Appreciate it. Happy to be here on Thursday night. As always, another big weekend of racing action. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're going to start with some uh, short track racing and uh, some ARCA racing uh, news. That we don't have any races from the ARCA series this weekend, but they'll be back on track next weekend. At 9 o'clock, our guest comes on board. LaVar Scott will be joining us from Rev Racing and NASCAR's Driver Diversity Program. He races uh, in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series at Hickory Motor Speedway. So looking forward to catching up with LaVar Scott at 9 p.m. Eastern time. After that, we'll start uh, with some updates from the Truck Series. Then we'll go to, I'm sorry, we'll start with the preview of the Truck Series at Bristol on Dirt. And then we'll uh, give some updates on the Xfinity Series. They are not racing this weekend. And then we'll do our preview of the Cup Series on Bristol Dirt this weekend. Uh, 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. And I believe we have yourself and Tommy Kraft on board for that as well as myself. So looking forward to our Hot Topic discussion as well. So with that, Jay, we'll go ahead and uh, get started. Um, which did I say? The ARCA or the short track? I think I said short track, right? Yeah, we normally do short track first. Yeah, and the 2022 Kyle Larson Late Model Challenge powered by Tazos at Volunteer Speedway is actually taking place right now over at Flow Racing. So if you're a subscriber there, you can tune in and watch that live streaming of the race. So uh, Clint Boyer is one of the uh, announcers uh, for that tonight. And uh, let's see, they were coming up on the uh, running order. It looks like Marler is in first place, Bales. I didn't catch after that. It switched on me. But Marler is leading, and I don't know if that's Mike Marler or um, Cameron Marler. I know Cameron I've, was uh, who I heard earlier. I was going to say, I believe it is the Winfield Warrior, but uh, and I know he's going to be doing a truck race this weekend. We'll talk about that with the uh, truck series uh, up there at Volunteer this weekend. Okay, so uh, they're actually in Heat 1 right now. So there's still a lot of racing left to go if you want to tune in over at uh, Flow Sport Racing. Uh, but uh, let me see. It's coming up here again. So as the lead, it's Marler, Bales, McDowell, Henderson, and Ferguson are the top five. I believe Michael McDowell is in this race as well, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That's good to see him running up there. I know a lot of, a lot of teams and drivers involved in that event. A uh, great deal being put together by Kyle Larson and Flow Racing. Okay. And that's the first heat that we're talking about. So I'll try to provide a few updates as we uh, go through the uh, evening here. But uh, that's the big one here tonight in short track racing. Well, then we got another big one coming up for New Hampshire as the Northeast, again, as 
we approach April, May, a lot of these tracks trying to open up, have special events or get ready, uh, some of them already into weekly racing, but a big one going on at the Magic Mile. Oh, that sounds uh, really good. Uh, is that on for racing as well, Jay? I try. I believe, actually, I think that one is on Racing America. Let me see if it talks about where the streaming for it is. I know over six classes, they already got 100 cars, 40 of them uh, in the late model ACT, which is the American-Canadian series, as well as the PASS, which is Pro All-Star Series. Yeah, this Friday, that's tomorrow, the U.S. Legends International Spring Series race uh, for Legends and Bandoleros will be taking place at Nashville Fairground Speedway. So uh, that's at 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and that is at Racing America. And then the one that you talked about on Saturday, April the 16th, that's at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, then there's the Spring Fling event also on Saturday at Anderson Speedway at 5 p.m. Eastern. And again, the Legends and Pro Late models will be racing on the 16th again at Nashville Fairgrounds. So plenty of racing. There's there's all kinds of racing here at Racing America this weekend. Yeah, I knew Nashville was also having, you mentioned that, a double header weekend. It was a huge weekend for them uh, in Nashville, the Tennessee area. Hopefully the weather uh, stays out of the way, uh, both for the Bristol race as well as these local short tracks throughout the weekend. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I see uh, the ARCA CRA Super Series is also racing Sunday at Salem Speedway. And then the season opener at Slinger Speedway on April the 20th. Uh, they don't have times yet uh, posted, but those are coming up next weekend uh, at uh, those race checks. So just kind of a preview of some things that are coming up next week. And I can tell you this, we had to do this even uh, here this weekend. I know Martinsville got a little bit of snow and sleet. Uh, we were in the 40s, maybe high 30s. We didn't quite uh, get the snow, but yeah, these first couple of races, if you're a fan and want to be out there, you do need to bundle up, bring those space heaters with you. Yes, indeed. It's a little bit cooler than uh, we had kind of hoped uh, for this time of year, but uh, that happens sometimes. So uh, lots of racing, looking at uh, the flow racing schedule, too. Uh, Between the 15th and the 16th, 5 p.m. is the 2022 Sunflower Classic at RPM Speedway. Uh, The Spring Nationals at White Raceway at 6 p.m. on the 15th. The Tezos uh, All-Star Circuit of Champions at Attica Raceway Park at 6 p.m. from the 15th to the 16th. And then the opener at Marshalltown Speedway uh, is 6.55 on the 15th. And the weekly racing at Ocean Speedway on the 15th also taking place. You hear that key word there, opening weekend. As I mentioned, a lot of them uh, yep. are trying to get that first weekend under their belt. If, if Some of them had maybe had it scheduled already and had to postpone it. But we're getting into where we're going to be full bore racing here week in and week out. On the 16th, there's going to be racing at South Boston Speedway, Florence Motor Speedway. Uh, they've got the Sprint 
Um, I'm sorry, the Porsche Sprint Challenge at Sonoma Raceway this weekend over on the West Coast, and the USAC Sprints at Atomic Speedway on uh, the 16th. Bridgeport Motorsports Park with their weekly racing. Port Royal Speedway has some weekly racing this weekend. Opening night at Fonda Speedway. The Bill Coral Memorial at Caswell Speedway on the 16th. Uh, weekly racing at Lincoln Speedway and Langley Speedway. Uh, again, Port City Raceway. USAC WC Midgets at Bakersfield Speedway. Uh, weekly racing at Meridian Speedway, Evergreen Speedway, Placerville Speedway, and the Easter Champs at Central Motor Speedway. That's a lot of racing between Friday and Saturday. <laughs> and there's even more on Sunday. Yeah, if you can, get out and support your local tracks. I know it's a holiday weekend, but there's a lot going on. Again, a lot of these tracks uh, start getting ready to get started. Uh, new cars out there, new drivers, some of them moving up in different classes. Always an exciting part of the year, those first couple of weekends. Uh, and you get to see who's, uh, as, as we say, sets the bar for, for the season when you talk about championships. Yes, indeed. If you're wondering what to expect tonight in the Kyle Larson Late Model Challenge, uh, you can head over to Flow Racing. They've got an article up over there uh, that will give you some of the things to watch for in that race uh, tonight. And then um, there's some other uh, great articles there, too. They've got the Lacrosse Fairground Speedway. Uh, joining Flow Racing now and their broadcast schedule for the advanced weekly racing series from NASCAR. Uh, and it says here, uh, an article put up on the 11th, William Byron ready to give dirt racing a whirl. So uh, you're going to see William Byron out there on the dirt. Uh, in addition to Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend, he's doing some other dirt racing. So that's kind of cool to hear, too. Well, and we've seen uh, quite a bit actually here out of uh, out of William Byron, and I think that I think the article I read was on um, actually back on uh, Racing America, but how that's helped him at the Cup level, and we've seen how he's changed and been running up front, first one to win two races yeah. this year at the Cup level. So that off uh, running short tracks really helping uh, William Byron it says both on and off the track is the title of the article. Yeah, that's a really great article, and I really suggest people head over to Racing America and check that out. Uh, They have a lot of great articles over there. Uh, Former ACT champion returning to racing at Loudoun this weekend. I think you mentioned that, Jay. Um, And then Sam Hines uh, kicks off the busy MMSA schedule this weekend, so uh, watch for him to be back on the track. And then there's a Throwback Thursday article up there, too. Uh, Marquee wins in racing history. So uh, that is going to be a lot of fun to read as well. Well, and there's one more there that uh, came out uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, You mentioned Anderson. Uh, The four cylinders in the compact cars are are bringing double the fun. Uh, If you're you're a fan of the short tracks, I've seen these four cylinders run. They always get kind of pushed to the end of the show, normally the last race of the night. But if you're leaving early, you're missing some great racing action, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so that's another one to look forward to this weekend. Um, so there's also the Boris uh, 
Compact's bringing double fun to Anderson this weekend. That's the four cylinders you're talking about, right? Yeah, the, the Horse Compact cars. Series. Yeah. The CRA Street Stocks are back in action at Anderson as well. So a lot of racing out at Anderson Speedway this weekend. Um, there's so much racing going on, even though it's a holiday weekend, like you said, Jay. Uh, if you're missing racing and you want to tune in, uh, you can do that at Racing America as well as uh, Flow Racing and such a lot of racing action throughout the weekend. Well, and as you hit on, hit on that uh, Voice Compact series, I put a thought in my head. i got to see about it, a guest here coming up for, I guess we're going to look into May, uh, see if I can't get a driver that's running and been involved in that. So. Stay tuned for that. Oh, I'll have to make a fun. call or two. Okay. Okay. Uh, I know we're a couple minutes early, but we're going to head over to the Arca Menard Series. Again, these guys are not racing this weekend, uh, but you'll catch them on the track next weekend. In fact, two different series, two different tracks, two different parts of the country. Uh, we'll start with the Arca Menard Series racing at Talladega Super Speedway, April the 23rd. At noon central, that's 1 o'clock eastern, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And then out in the west at Kern County Raceway Park, one of uh, Sam's favorite tracks, uh, will be the Menard Series West, the Menard Series West, the Salute to the Oil Industry Napa Auto Parts 150. That's at 8.15 Pacific time, so that would be 11.15 eastern, but it will be uh, live streamed on Flow Racing, and you should be able to see a delayed broadcast if um, if you want to watch that um, on replay. Uh, so two big races coming up next weekend. Okay. Well, and you're right; it doesn't get b- bigger than Talladega when it comes to the Arkham Menard series. And I know we were supposed to have originally supposed to have uh, Raja Karuth, a scheduling conflict there. We got Lavar Scott coming from um, Rev Racing. But him and Daniel die, only separated by 11 points, two races in, and the victories have come from Corey Hyman and Taylor Gray with only one start. So the top five, though, are your Arca Menard Series regulars. Daniel Dye, Raja Karuth, Parker Chase, Tony Breidinger, and Nick Sanchez to see how that sorts out. And I think total there are top five. There are 23 points separating those top five. So Talladega, big one that plays into the championship and sorting that out. I talked to Nick Sanchez last uh, Monday night, so uh, if you haven't heard that interview, you want to tune in and listen to the podcast on that. Uh, he is sitting in fifth place there ahead of Corey Hyman, Taylor Gray, which is a pretty big deal for Rev Racing. Uh, same thing with Roger Caruth in second place. <clears throat> most most certainly, and mentioned they ran one race, got got, got a victory each. Um, but to see these guys that are running week in and week out, they get their time to shine. And also then it shows where they're at competitively with these teams that, that Corey Hyman and Taylor Gray run for. So it gives them that bar to set for and achieve at. Indeed. Okay. So what about the West? You get the uh, points up for the West? All right. We'll take a look at the West Series points. Uh, I believe this is their third race. Let me see here as it's loading. No, they got two races in as well. Uh, This one, we always talk about the West, always seems to be a whole lot tighter. 
Uh, here we got 16 points separating all the way down to eighth place. Ten drivers have made uh, – sorry, 11 drivers have made um, both starts so far. The top of the board, though, you got Jake Drew, two top fives, uh, is two points ahead of Tanner Reef. And I know he was on the show as well. He's got uh, one top five, but it was a victory. So that puts him two points behind Jake Drew. Then you got Cole Moore, Austin Herzog, and Todd Souza as your top five. Uh, sixth through eighth there, Paul Pedronicilli Jr., Joey East, Takuma Koga, and Sebastian Aries uh, are your top nine. And then tenth place is Bridget Burgess, and I believe she's running the full season, if I'm not mistaken. I believe she is, and we've got a really great international player there with Bridget Burgess from uh, Great Britain, Sebastian Aries. Uh, I'm not sure which flag that is. Do you know where he's from, Sal? I okay. do not. I do not. Let me see if I can pull it up under uh, under his name. But then the next one up, uh, Koga, we know he's been running there for several from years Japan. Um, from Japan. Yeah, I do not see where it says where he's from, and I do not recognize okay. that flag. Okay, but he's uh, an international driver as well. So uh, really, really kind of fun to uh, see that happening. Okay, um, so let's go ahead and move on now to the, let's see, to the uh, ARCA East. Their next race will be the following weekend at Dover Motor Speedway on April the 29th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The general will be live-streamed on Flow Racing. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a lot of ARCA racing action uh, between those three series. The Suchi Showdown, however, we won't see back on the track. Uh, that series will have its next race on June the 11th at Iowa Speedway at 8 p.m. Central, that's 9 p.m. Eastern, on MAV-TV, the Iowa 150 uh, will be televised on that MAV-TV Motorsports Network. So uh, let's take a look at the points in those series, Jay. Well, before before I do that, I will let you know there, uh, get the feeling maybe Sebastian Aries is a friend of Juan Pablo Montoya, coming out of Bogota, Colombia. That's where he's from. Mm-hmm. There you go. Now, on the East Series, this one, Sammy Smith, uh, he doesn't want to be part of no close to, uh, points battle. He's bo- taken both victories so far in the East, <laughs> already established a 12-point lead, but I don't think he's going to be able to maintain that uh, week in and week out. you got Taylor Gray, second in points, has uh, two top fives behind him, and Lily Honeymoon, the other one with two top fives already, is only 13 points back. Then you drop back, it's 22-23 as we go through Willie Mullins, uh, Donald Feige uh, coming out of Canada, uh, Stephen Moyer, I'm sorry, Moyer, Christian Rose, we've had him Stephanie. on. Uh, Steve, I'm sorry? Stephanie. You said Stephen. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Stephanie Moyer. Um, Christian Rose, we've had on the show, Steve Austin, and then Brad Smith, your top nine that have run both races on the East Series so far. Max Gutierrez rounding out the top 10 with just one start but a top five. Okay, so 
Yeah, this is going to get fun because uh, I hope Sammy doesn't dominate the series. I hope we do see some other winners. Uh, I've been really impressed with Leland uh, Honeyman as well in this series. So uh, uh, he's he's uh, not been running this series, and he's kind of new in the series, and it's kind of fun to see him doing so well right out the gate. And Willie Mullins. Uh, in fourth place, that hasn't happened in a while, so it's really cool to see that as well. <clears throat> and looking at looking at uh, Leland Honeyman, there uh, two top fives I mentioned. One pole has led twenty seven laps. Uh, I think that's only the third out of the group that has led laps. Sammy Smith, like I said, uh, right now absolutely dominating, has led two hundred seventy four laps. Taylor Gray with ninety nine, and then Leland with twenty seven. But it, you mentioned that his average start in the two races, 0.5, average finish, 3.0. Uh, and he's in third in points, so you can figure out who the two better than average finish are above him there with Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray at 1.0 and 2.5. That's right. And some really stout uh, statistics there. Uh, now, out in the west at Kern County Raceway next week, you've got uh, Todd Souza. Uh, he's going to be making his 100th. West Series start, and he's hoping that that ends up in a victory uh, next week out of Kern County Raceway. So there's a great article about that up on the board at uh, I would not. I would not have realized that he had made that many starts. I know he's been involved there with the West Series for a while, but I did not realize it was uh, approaching that century mark, as you said. Yeah, he says... Uh, he almost got out of racing in the 2008 recession, uh, but he's 57 years old, uh, and even he's having a hard time believing that he's already made more of a start, so this will be his 100th start. So, again, a really great article up about Todd Souza, and uh, if you want to get to know more about him, I would definitely suggest uh, reading this article. I know you mentioned uh, that the... I'm sorry, go ahead. He's big out in the West. I was just going to say he's he's a big-name driver out in the West. Yeah, like I said, I know we've been following, following him for a while. I, that blows my mind that it had actually been 100 starts. Uh, I really didn't realize it was, it was that high. But And he's been in, I say, top five in the championship battle year in and year out. So uh, that's what keeps that drive alive. When you know you're competitive – uh, some big teams, you know, that, you know, you may not be able to be on par with, but if you're hanging with them, that little bobble or whatever, you always have that opportunity. So good to see him still out there racing again, up there in points yet again this year. Yes, indeed. Another uh, article up there, the Calypso Lemonade has the name the sponsor of the ARCA race at Iowa Speedway. We mentioned that uh, coming up on June the 11th. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of Calypso Lemonade out there in Iowa for this event. Well, that's a, that's a shame. Uh, when we went to that race that year, we were drinking water. We could have been drinking lemonade, I guess, this year if we, if we were going. <laughs> yes, indeed. And then Shore Lunch is going to sponsor the championship race out of Toledo. Speedway this year. You were used to the championship race being at Kansas. Uh, that venue changed this year to Toledo Speedway. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, a great article about that as well. 
uh, over at Arca Racing. And uh, I think this is going to be really uh, a fun championship race at Toledo Speedway this year. It certainly is. Like you said, it's been at, been at Kentucky Speedway for the past several years. To so, see that Kansas. change up, I know we saw it, we, we saw it at the cup Speedway. level. I'm sorry, Kansas. You uh, said- to see that, yeah, uh, I said Kentucky incorrectly. Um, going from Kansas to Toledo, though, to see that change up, I mean, that's one of the things I know fans especially, and I think drivers do kind of like that as well as we've seen some drivers hit a particular track and, and be able to dominate and keep a grip on it, to change it up gives that that opening, if you will, for a, for a little bit different mixture year in, year out. Yes, indeed. Um, there's also a nice article here about an ARCA graduate. We remember watching ARCA, William Byron, racing the ARCA series, uh, and they're real proud of him taking home two Grand Theft Clocks from last weekend. Uh, so there's a nice article up about that as well, and a picture of him with one of those grandfather clocks. I think it's the Cup Series one. And I can't, I can't tell you. We hear drivers talk about that. Such a unique trophy. And over this past weekend, they had a couple of times they replayed it. The making of the Martinsville clock. That was really interesting to watch, and in the, the history and the reason behind that being the trophy. Uh, I believe they're made with 30 to 40 miles a uh, small town right there by Martinsville. So a hometown trophy, really important to these drivers. Yes, indeed. Okay, I want to uh, talk a little bit here now about our guest that's coming up. Uh, Jay mentioned it. Uh, we originally had Roger Ruth on the schedule for tonight, scheduling conflict, and thankfully LeVar Scott stepped up. He did some testing today out at Hickory Motor Speedway, so we'll be able to kind of chat with him about that. He's from Kearney's Point, New Jersey, and uh, this is his third season with Red Racing. Uh, he piloted a full-time ride in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series last year, securing his career first late model win at Hickory Motor Speedway. Uh, but it was not the first time he's won in an NASA-sanctioned event. He also recorded a win at the Autodrome uh, in Mexico for Dynamic Motorsports. So he's got some international experience there as well. Uh, he's been a part of the NASCAR Driver Diversity Driver Development Combine in 2019. Uh, they saw his potential, and uh, he was invited to the Drive for Diversity uh, Combine in October and was offered a seat in the U.S. Legends car with Red Racing in their youth driver development program in the 2020 season. And the team continued to test his abilities in late model with that advanced auto parts weekly coin series out of Hickory. Um, he began his career racing the 600 micro sprint at just 12 years of age in the Tulsa shootout in December of 2015. So um, uh, in 2020, he earned four top 10s, one top five, in the summer shootout at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. He finished third in the 600 Michael class from 2018. Um, and uh, he was first in the airport speedway in the 600 Michael class in 2018. First at the Hamlin, uh, in Hamlin, Pennsylvania in the 600 Michael. It was the first win in June of 16. And again, he raced that uh, Tulsa shootout in Oklahoma at just the age of 12, 2000, 
15. So uh, uh, LeVar Scott, quite an, an accomplished racer, and uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with him when he comes on board here at the top of the hour. Already quite the racing resume, as you mentioned there, at such a young age, and we've seen his development. Really looking forward to uh, to this year, and I'll talk to him about that when, once we get him online here, um, the confidence he has to have going into this season. Yes, I think I think there is probably a lot of confidence. Uh, he's not going to he, – he's very familiar with Hickory Motor Speedway, I would think, at this point. And uh, the fact that he's in that weekly touring series with the advanced auto parts. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he's raced so many different uh, uh, types of cars as well. Uh, that Tulsa shootout just uh, blows my mind. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about that. He's here now, so I'm going to bring him into the queue. Uh, and uh, we have LeVar Scott here from Rev Racing, their Drive for Diversity program. He's, uh, as I mentioned, racing in the NASCAR Advanced uh, Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series this season. And uh, whoops, I think he dropped. So hopefully he'll call back in. So I'm not sure what to do with that. The call dropped, and hopefully he'll call back in, and we'll be able to bring him into the queue as soon as he comes on board here. Um, okay, there he is. Okay. It's uh, queuing up. Okay, we have LaVar Scott here now. And first of all, LaVar, thank you so much for being available on short notice here uh, to be on our show tonight. I know you've had a busy day today with our Kepler out of Hickory Auditor Speedway. Uh, but welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, it's our pleasure. And tell us about your uh, day of testing out at Hickory Motor Speedway. Uh, I was saying you're probably pretty familiar with that track. Uh, yeah. Talk about your uh, thoughts about the testing today. Yeah, actually, uh, we went, uh, we're, we're testing at Florence Motor Speedway tomorrow. And uh, that's where we'll be racing this weekend, uh, Florence. We raced at Hickory uh, three weeks ago. We should be returning there in a few weeks, but uh, this week is going to be Florence Motor Speedway. Oh, okay. So you were okay. So that's kind of cool that uh, uh, you're racing two different tracks this season between Florence Motor Speedway and Hickory Motor Speedway. Um, you're doing the Advanced Auto Parts uh, Series in both tracks. Yes. Yes. I think um, everything everywhere we go this year is going to be under the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, so that that'll be pretty fun. It's always a it's a good series and very competitive, and I like to learn the series a lot. Yeah, and this is not your first year. You this year's got to be exciting for you because you're you're uh, in your second year now, and you've got a pretty good feel for your competition. Yeah, yeah. Last year I, I learned a ton. We got about a good eight eight or nine racing last year and it carried over to the season. We started the season pretty we pretty decent. We went our first race was at Hickory Motor Speedway and um for the first season opener and we um we just had some issues with my driving. So, oh it was a just a debut, it was just had to work out some issues and then we went to Florence Motor Speedway two weeks ago and we were a lot better. We made a lot of progress and we hope hopefully we carry the progress this week and coming up. So it's a it's a really good series. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to learn and try to be the best. 
Okay, I know you're familiar with Hickory. Is is this the first year you're racing at Florence, or did you race there last year too? I raced there last year once for their for their big race at the end of the year. So this is going to be my third okay. time returning to this track. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and you, we were looking at your resume there, and you've also raced uh, down in Mexico. Talk about the difference yeah. between racing in Mexico and racing here. Yeah, it was it was a, the, the most crazy experience of my life. Um, because everything there is so much different with the culture, how the racing is, how the tracks rain, just the people. Everything is different. So. I was very nervous and scared to go down there, like, the first time because I went with – it was myself. And my mom arrived, like, my race day, but the week I went there, it was just myself. So it was, it was very different. I mean, the, the the trucks there, it's cool. They're kind of like the the, the 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 body shape and how they look are kind of like the trucks here, but just the slower, not as much horsepower. So it took a little bit of um, practice time to get used to, and but once we got used to it, it was a, a good race, and I'm glad we got the win. But it was, a, it was the most different, most crazy experience of my life. I bet it was, and to go down there and get the win, yeah. uh, that's that's yeah. pretty impressive. So, okay, we've got uh, Jay Huseman with us, so I know he will have some questions for you as well. Uh, he's our co-host tonight, so Jay, you're on. All right, thank you, thanks, Sharon. Uh, you you kind of already alluded to one of the questions I wanted to ask. You talked about that, that trip to Mexico. Um, we see it a lot of times as other drivers try to come into the U.S., but for you to go go down there and be a part of their racing and then kind of put you in a position as a role model uh, and ambassador, if you will, and helping them to learn how to adapt to the U.S. style. Uh, you talked about the differences there. Can you expand on that a little bit more in, in that position and that role? Yeah, it was very different. I mean, like the they they – I think they boosted me up to be someone that I wasn't like. They like the whole week they were saying like the, the one of the top NASCAR drivers from the U.S. is coming to compete, and that was actually my second second year on asphalt, first year in like in a in a full body stock car. So I was just trying to I was trying to push push the there that I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm not the person that they all think I am. So it was, but it was still really cool because I, I had to learn from them a lot because they've been doing that the trucks over there for a long time now. So. A lot of times I went with my teammate Regina, and she would give me advice on because she used to be really good there. So on the line they use and how the truck drives and everything. So I had to learn from them more than they learned from me, really. Well, you'd be surprised that when you when you work with others, you don't realize how much you're teaching them. It's a back and forth, and, and that's what I love about yeah. the sport of racing. And with your team now, with Red Racing coming into second full time year. Uh, picking up your first victory. Talk about confidence that team has to have right now uh, going into this year, just with everything seeming to build and come together now. Yeah, I mean, the confidence, we have, we have really good confidence. And we have, a, we have a really good team behind us, and the team's at the shop every day working hard on, on the cars. So, I mean, just getting, the, getting our first win September 11th, and just after that, we knew we had the, the cars and the team to do it, but we just got to, keep doing it and keep progressing and get better because you know it's get better no matter how much success you're having. So the confidence is high. We're still looking for really good results and more wins and hopefully get some more this season. Well, I'm going I'm to give you a little bit of a tough question here. We've had several drivers on, especially with Rev Racing, uh, the opportunities you get, some of the other drivers you get to work with, the sim time. I want you, at least uh, for you specifically, what is the most important? Is it leaning on your teammates? Is it leaning on the, the team? 
Is it leaning on your own track experience or other drivers you get to talk to? What's been the most valuable to you? I think the most valuable has definitely been learning from the guys that have already been in my position, like especially Roger. Roger was in this position that I'm in just last year or two years ago, so and he's he's having a lot of success this year. So learn from him and be able to talk to him every day. And he, he's, he's telling me what not to do and how to approach different things with, the, with racing, off-track different things. And when it comes to the racing side, I have guys like Mark Green who's been in the top level of places I want to be at to have him to, every day to teach me how to race and learn how to race. It's, it's really good. It's a big opportunity. Well, see, that's where I say you never know what you can learn from somebody or what somebody else is learning from you because I know we've had him on here. And yeah. Being a young driver himself, I'm sure he's saying he's, he doesn't know how much he can offer you, but it's great to see the three of you building together and working together. And uh, I'm sure as a teammate, he appreciates you. I know he had a scheduling conflict, so you being able to be on here tonight, I'm sure he appreciates that, and as we do, uh, referencing being a big partner with us and uh, providing guests. So we appreciate it. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Awesome. Okay, LaVar. You're part of the Drive for Diversity program, and you've taken part in some of the combines uh, over there with Rev Racing. Uh, If there are other uh, diversity candidates uh, that are looking to participate in the next combine with uh, Rev Racing, what would be your advice to them? Um, My advice would probably just be the – Keep on doing like whatever type of motorsports in right now is keep on doing it and, and perform at the best of their ability and definitely to reach out and stay in contact with the team. I mean, the team's always looking for the next drive and the next big thing. So it will be keep on doing what they're doing and try to get good results to show the team and always keep track of your of your, your resume and how you're doing and send it over, email Booker or Christy, and I think that's the best way to, best way to put it. Yeah. And, and, uh, also, talk about what the program has, has meant to you as a participant, because this is your third year in the program. I mean, this program is, is, is huge for me and my family. Like, if it wasn't for this program, I'd be living in New Jersey right now, just racing dirt cars on a weekly basis. Not, I mean, that's still pretty pretty cool, but it's not, it's not where I wanted to be at or not where I hope to be at. So this program has gave me everything, the opportunity is all. It's really all over my hands to make the most of it and perform and connect with different people that I'm able to connect with here. So it's, it's, it's this program really means everything to me, really. Yeah, I mean, you really do get great exposure with Rev Racing, and and uh, you know, there's so many drivers that have come through this program. Have you had a chance to talk with some of the drivers that have come through the program, like uh, Kyle Larson or Bubba Wallace? Daniel yeah, Suarez. I talked to uh, actually. Yeah, actually, I seen Kyle Larson last night at the the local Millbridge track, and said what's up. So we talked a little bit, and uh, I always talk to Bubba when I go to all the NASCAR tracks. He's always a guy who's willing to willing to, willing to help us and teach us different things or approach different things or racing wise, all tracks. So Kyle, Kyle Kyle Larson and Bubba is someone I always look up to and try to learn from. Okay. Here, um, uh, I'm sure Daniel Suarez would be real. Uh, open to being supportive as well because I know he's come up through this program as well. Uh, and yeah. we've talked to him at Revelation. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's talk about the 
Are there differences between Hickory Motor Speedway and Florence Speedway? What are the differences that you've noticed so far between those two tracks? Uh, most far is definitely the grip level and how bumpy the track is. Like Hickory is a lot, it's shorter, it's a little bit more grip, and it's very, very bumpy. Florence is just it's no grip at all, and it's, I don't want to say smooth, but it's a lot lot smoother than Hickory. But that's the from the, that's the two most things I take away from the two, the two track differences. Okay. You mentioned your dirt background. Uh, so that smooth track is probably a little more suited to your driving style, maybe. Is that yeah, on track I, there? I would, or? I, would, I would say so. Like, I, I love short track racing. I mean, it's kind of hard to to, uh, to really compare the two to my driving style because everything is in the asphalt world and with late miles and dirt stuff is so much different. So it's kind of hard to compare the two. But if I would have had to to say something that I would think fits me more would definitely be the shorter tracks, but um, I try to adapt to every track I go to and just be the best, but I, I do like short tracks a lot, too, like the really, really short tracks. Yeah, short tracks are where it's at in this uh, Advanced Auto Parts Touring yeah. Series. So uh, so that's pretty cool, too. Uh, uh, from NASCAR, I've been coming out to the short tracks and uh, William Byron, uh, the most notable, uh, you've got Kyle Larson out at uh, uh, Volunteer Speedway this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, big-name drivers coming out to the short track? I think it's big. It's huge because this, this, the short track series, like the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, it's not a it's not an easy series to go and just win at. So to have them come and compete, it just shows you the amount of respect that they still have for the short, for the short track racing and and I think it's huge for the fans, for the for the competitors, because as a competitor, if I if I if I know that if I know that Kyle Larson's coming to the track, I'm like, well, I want to be there. I want I want to go race against him. I want to try to beat him. So I think it pushes everybody to be at the track, to to watch, to compete against them, and they they still know that this is hard racing. and they, they want to compete. So it, it's pretty cool around. Okay. Any last questions for uh, Lavar, Jay? Okay, he may he may have stepped away. So, uh, Lavar, this is uh, kind of the point. I'm going to give you a chance to do any shout-outs that you want to do, and then also we want to make sure fans know how they can follow you. Uh, and you mentioned your next race is coming up, so uh, let's make sure everybody has the details about that. Yeah. I would definitely, definitely, definitely like to thank Revelation, Max Siegel, and um, – Social media is LeVar.Scott34 on Instagram. Twitter is LeVar Scott. Facebook is LeVar Scott. And uh, my next race is going to be this weekend at Florence Motor Speedway. Qualifying times at 2.30 and races at uh, 5.30. So make sure to definitely watch that. Okay. Yeah, get out there to Florence Motor Speedway. We've been really doing a lot of support for the short tracks this season. And, uh, LeVar, I'm, I'm uh, really excited for you having this full-time season. Uh, this year, and uh, we're wishing the best for you. So uh, when you get that win, let us know. We want you to come back. Thank you so much. I definitely will. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, And good luck at Florence this weekend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All righty. All right. That is LeVar Scott with Rev Racing in the Advanced Auto Part Touring Series this season. He's also part of NASCAR's uh, Drive for Diversity program. And uh, I think he gave us a pretty good interview there, Jay. 
Yeah, always. And I know this always comes up on hot topics. He talks about racing against these other drivers. The drivers want to race against the best. That's the the measuring stick and the confidence it gives them when they get to race with them and beat them. Uh, The fans win by it. Uh, Again, if you're you're a fan of, of William Byron, and you get to see him at a local dirt track. You mentioned Kyle Larson being out at a, at a midget race uh, the night before. He's up at uh, Volunteer Speedway tonight. So that's just it's just a win-win situation. Uh, you know, I, I still don't understand why fans get frustrated with that, but uh, it, it's good to hear it from him again. And the experience he's getting through this program with Rev Racing, I uh, can't wait to see where his career goes because uh, we've seen the drivers as they – Come through this program, as specifically Rev Racing, uh, normally end up uh, towards the top. So we'll have to see where he ends up down the road in a couple of years. Yes, uh, there's uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and he also mentioned, you know, the fact that uh, Bubba Wallace and, and uh, Kyle Larson are giving back to the program uh, by helping to support some of the drivers that are coming up through that driver diversity program, which I think is fantastic. It absolutely is, and that goes back to Kyle Larson hosting this uh, this event tonight at uh, Volunteer Speedway. Uh, you know, and Kyle is fun that gives back. Racing is everything to him, and to be giving back and participating in it and helping fund it with co-racing. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, we hope uh, to talk to LeVar Scott somewhere else down the road here this season, uh, but now we're going to get into the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Uh, they're racing the Penty's Truck Race on Dirt this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway on uh, Saturday, April the 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the purse for this weekend is $599,224. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. Eastern, as well as on the radio via MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The uh, 75 miles over 150 laps. Uh, the first stage ends on lap 40. The second stage is 50 laps and ends on lap 90. And the last stage, uh, the third stage ends on lap 150 for, 100, for 60 laps. So uh, definitely going to be a fun race to watch with the trucks out there on the Bristol Dirt this weekend. And we've got some uh, pretty interesting uh, things going on in this truck race this weekend. Well, the first one we're going to look at is the Snoko rookie, and uh, Allen has opened up his points league there. Lawless Allen took the 2022 NASCAR Tampa Road Truck Series Snoko rookie of the year points lead following Coda, and at this past weekend at Martinsville, expanded that lead to 15 points over second place Corey Heim. In five starts on the year, Allen has posted an average finish of 21.6. All four rookies this season will be making their first uh, Camping World truck series debut at bristol motor speedway dirt so that ought to be fun to watch race within itself that we always like to watch yes indeed and then Cowbush motorsports is uh tapping pengrove california native buddy colfoid to pilot the number 51 toyota this weekend at bristol on dirt it'll be colfoid's first uh camping world truck series race uh but uh, there's a reason Cowbush motorsports is tapping him for this weekend. Uh, Boyd has participated in USAC, Power Eye, 
NASCAR, the Arkham and Art Series West, and late model races. Uh, the number 51 KBM Toyota team won last season uh, the Bristol Dirt Race uh, with the Truck Series with driver Martin Truex Jr. So uh, we'll see if Buddy Coakley can do that this weekend. Well, and I think somebody took a peek at our notes here because that's who uh, Brian picked for his pick for this weekend. So we'll see how that plays <laughs> out for him. Now, for the second year in a row, we're going to have the husband and wife team looking to tackle Bristol Dirt. The Friesens, Stuart and Jessica, a married couple, will attempt to compete against each other in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at the Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt Race. And Jessica Friesen is a well-known sprint car and modified dirt racer to be making her 2022 season debut in the Camping World Truck Series. She'll be driving the number 62 Hound Friesen Racing Toyota alongside the familiar number 52 of her husband, Stuart Friesen. And the Friesens have competed against each other before, uh, finishing first and second in a race at Ludica Rome Speedway two days after the wedding in 2014. And then last season, Jessica and Stuart competed in the same Camping World Truck Series race at Knoxville Raceway. Jessica ultimately finished one spot better than her husband, Stuart, in the event, taking on 26th and 27th place finishes, respectively. Now, it was the first time a husband and wife duo competed in the same NASCAR National Series event since Elton Sawyer and Patty Maurice last did it at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the NASCAR Xfinity Series back in 1998. Now, this weekend, the Friesens will look to add another race to that list that they have both competed in when they attempt to compete in Saturday's Pinty's Truck Race at Dirt on Bristol. Last season, uh, Jessica attempted to qualify for the Bristol event and did not make the race due to the rain, whereas Stewart started last season's race in seventh and finished 12th. And uh, nothing against her, but I, I got Tony uh, Stewart there for this one, so hopefully he does a little bit better this weekend. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, or Matt, uh, for this truck series race at Bristol, uh, there's a total of 38 trucks that are currently entered for the Saturday night Pinty's truck race on dirt. Uh, and to set the field Saturday afternoon, they'll feature four qualifying races starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. There'll be a random draw to determine the driver's qualifying race designation and starting position for the qualifying races, and the draw will be done in the order of current order points. <clears throat> qualifying random draw is scheduled for 2 p.m. on Friday, April the 15th. Now, each qualifying race is 15 laps, with only green flag laps counting, and the overtime rule will not be in effect. The free pass and wave away around procedures will be in use for positions 32 through 36 provisionals will be applied. Uh, so drivers will accumulate points in the qualifying races based on finishing position and passing points. Then the lineup of the feature race will be based on combined points of qualifying of the qualifying race, finishing order, finishing points, and passing points. Passing points are defined as the difference between the assigned starting spot and the finishing spot of the trucks. There will only be positive passing points awarded for moving forward if a driver finishes in the same or lower position 
they will receive zero points. Finishing points as such, uh, if you finishing progressively goes down to 10th place, being one point. So uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and so forth for positions 1 through 10. The feature race, 50 laps divided into three stages. Uh, those three stages, as I already mentioned, those on lap 40, 90, and 150. The running order will be frozen at the stage. And during the stage breaks, teams can change tires, add fuel, and make adjustments to their trucks. The trucks cannot add fuel or change tires except during the stage breaks. So that's going to be an interesting caveat to the race this weekend. Yeah, definitely the format a little bit different. I kind of like that. Uh, several things that for non-regular fans may have to keep up with, or even regular fans because it is different, um, but adds to that interest of this uh, race. Now, when we look at the uh, playing field or playing in the dirt at Bristol, this weekend's Pinkage truck race on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, the first of two races on the special surface for the season for the Camping World Truck Series. The series will also visit Knoxville Raceway with about this year. It will be on uh, June 18th. That's Knoxville, Iowa. In total, the Camping World Truck Series has run nine races on dirt at three different tracks. It ran Eldora Speedway from 2013 to 2019, uh, which was seven races. And they ran the one on dirt or at Bristol last year on dirt, uh, 2021, and Knoxville as well last year was their inaugural event. It's produced nine different winners. At Eldora, we had Austin Dillon in 2013, Bubba Wallace in 2014, Christopher Bell in 2015, Kyle Larson in 16, and Matt Crafton in 17, Chase Briscoe in 18, and Stuart Friesen in 2019. You mentioned uh, last year on dirt or at, uh, Bristol Dirt, it was Martin Truex, and the Knoxville Raceway winner was Austin Hill. Now, of the nine races run on the dirt in the series, two of the former race winners will try to qualify for this weekend's race at Bristol. That's Matt Crafton, the Eldora winner from 2017, and Stuart Friesen in 2019. Last weekend's uh, Bristol or last season's Bristol Dirt winner Mark Truex has not entered this season, which guarantees a new winner on this 0.5 mile track this weekend. We also have four Cup Series regulars that will be taking their turn on dirt with the Camping World Truck Series this weekend as well. Uh, Chase Elliott will be in the number seven Spire Motorsports uh, Chevrolet. Harrison Burton is going to be in the number 17 for. DGR in their Ford. Austin Dillon is behind the wheel of the number 20 on Motorsport Chevrolet. And then last year's Cub Series Bristol Dirt winner, Joey Logano, he's in the number 54 Team DGR Ford. So a lot of different drivers uh, wanting to participate in this. Uh, all action begins on Friday, April 15th, where they have a first practice That'll from uh, 3.05 to 3.55 Eastern. Final practice, 5.35 to 6.25 Eastern. Both will be televised on FS1. Then the Comedic Gaskets Pole Qualifying, that'll be on 4th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, April 16th. That'll be on FS2. 
Okay. Next up, we'll get into uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, their next race is the Ag Pro 3 Talladega Super Speedway next weekend, Saturday, April the 23rd. Uh, it's going to be a big race. We'll do the preview of that race uh, coming up on next Thursday. Uh, but I just want to make sure everybody knows the details of when that race is going to be taking place. Uh, and we'll give you a few updates uh, for Xfinity Series, even though they're not racing this weekend. Uh, well, well, we'll start where the last we'll weekend. start where the money is. Yeah, we'll start where the money is, and that was Adrian Allmendinger, as he took home the money from uh, Martinsville, and that Dash for Cash program continues at Dega. The NASCAR Xfinity Series Dash for Cash program. Uh, was designed to add element of unpredictability and drama leading up to and during four designated races, uh, increase on-track competition, and engage fans, reward and recognize the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular competitors. Now, in the first Dash for Cash race this season, Richmond Raceway, we saw Sam Mayer beat A.J. Allmendinger, Noah Gregson, and Austin Hill with his third-place finish to take home the $100,000 bonus. It was the first time he had won the Dash for Cash in his career. Now, with that Dash for Cash uh, win at Richmond, Mayor once again eligible for the 100000 at Martinsville Speedway, along with A.J. Allmendinger, Riley Herbst, and the Richmond race winner, Ty Gibbs. After a wild race that saw 16 cautions at Martinsville, A.J. Allmendinger ended up the highest finishing eligible driver, so grabbed the $100,000 with third place finish. Now setting Talladega, it'll be Almendinger, Landon Castle, Brandon Jones, and Austin Hill that'll get to take their shot at that $100,000 cash bonus. Almendinger has had a few Xfinity Series stints at Talladega, and while he hasn't always had the best of luck, he did post a third place finish last spring and a runner-up finish in Daytona earlier this year can handle all the excitement that comes with the super speedways. Now, Castle has competed at Talladega in the Xfinity Series a total of six times, having posted two top ten finishes. And although the Sunoco Rookie of the Year contender Austin Hill only has one Xfinity Series Talladega race under his belt, he's won Daytona earlier this year in numerous top five finishes, uh, Daytona, Atlanta, Coda, and Mertensville, a good indicator of his versatility. So we'll see how that plays out. Looks like finishing third uh, might get it done. And the case it certainly did. Uh, now, Brandon Jones brought home his first checkered flag of the season last week at, uh, at uh, Martinsville. Joe Gibbs Racing, Brandon Jones found his way past his teammate, Ty Gibbs, who led 198 laps. In the final lap that Friday night's call, 811 before you did 250, powered by call811.com at Martin Place. The win marked his first at the track, his first of the season, and fifth of his NASCAR Xfinity Series career. He also has one win in 2019 with three wins in 2020. So now the 25-year-old driver has this weekend to relax and regroup uh, for some super speedway action at Talladega next weekend when they race there Saturday, April the 23rd. He has a good chance to snag his second win of the season. 
Jones has been taking a shot at the iconic 2.66-mile track since 2016, and he has come extremely close to making his way to victory lane. In 2018 and 21 seasons, he finished runner-up, and in 2020, he posted a top-five finish. So Brendan Jones may be uh, one of the guys to watch at uh, Talladega next week. Uh, he certainly will be. Let's scroll up here. We got another one, though. No fans will at least want to see it. Jeffrey Earnhardt joins Richard Childress Racing for Talladega. He's a grandson of NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt, and he will be driving his grandfather's number three Chevrolet with Richard Childress Racing next weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. He's a fourth-generation driver. Jeffrey Earnhardt fell into the world of racing at a young age. His NASCAR National Series career began in 2009 when he ran two races in the Xfinity Series, coming at Watkins Glen and the Circuit Jills Villeneuve. Uh, Since then, he has competed across all three NASCAR National Series, posting 76 starts in the Cup Series, 135 in the Xfinity Series, and 10 starts in the Camping World Truck Series. Posted four starts in the 2022 season, uh, three so far with Sam Hunt Racing, and one with Emerling Gase Motorsports. And Dale Earnhardt's 27 years in the NASCAR Cup Series, he started 676 races, posting 76 wins, 281 top fives, 428 top 10s, and won the Cup Series Championship seven times, a record that he holds with Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson. When it comes to the Xfinity Series, he posted 136 starts, 21 wins, 65 top fives, and 75 top tens. Yeah, it's going to be fun seeing an Earnhardt back in that iconic number three. So looking forward to seeing Jeffrey uh, uh, racing at Richard Childress Racing next weekend. Okay. He continues his championship march at the front of the pack. So eight is into this season for the Xfinity Series. Everybody is chasing CJ Allmendinger. He currently has a 20-point lead on the rest of the field is in the championship driver standings following Martinsville just last weekend. Allmendinger, uh, the 2021 Xfinity Series regular, champ- regular season champion, has been the most consistent driver in the series, posting eight top ten finish- finishes in as many races. His average finish and in addition to that's in addition to his eight top tens. He's also an circuit of the Americas and five top five finishes. Almondinger will get to enjoy the spoils of being the points leader for an extra week as the series has this week off uh, for this weekend. Uh, they return to action at Talladega Super Speedway uh, on April the 23rd. And that race is going to be televised on Fox, so just a, a special alert there as well. In the spring race at Talladega last season, Almendinger started 11th and finished third in the rain-shortened event. So hopefully rain, rain will stay away this weekend uh, for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So some impressive stats there for A.J. Almendinger, Jay. 
It is, and I know he he was known as a road course racer, but he's really developed into a super speedway racer. And again, short tracks kind of lend itself towards uh, the road case road road course racing style. So he's become such a well-rounded championship contending driver there for college racing. So that is so true. Okay, up we have the NASCAR Cup Series. I know we're ahead of schedule, but we always need that extra time. And hopefully we'll have a little extra time, Jay, so you can give us a fantasy update. Okay, they will be racing this weekend, the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway on Sunday, April the 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully that will be after everybody's Easter uh, celebration. Uh, the purse is $7,374,089. It will be televised on Fox at 6 p.m. Eastern with their pre-race coverage. Uh, also, the radio coverage will be on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, they'll be racing 125 miles over 250 laps. First stage ends on lap 75. The second stage also 75 laps ends on lap 150. And the final stage will be 100 laps ending on lap 250. So a lot to look forward to in this cup race as well. Well, the first thing we want to highlight is the double duty on dirt. Mentioned four different NASCAR Cup Series drivers will be attempting to compete in that NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race on the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track. That's Chase Elliott, Harrison Burton, Austin Dillon, and Joey Logano. Uh, I don't know that Logano needs any more dirt experience. Having won there last year, but he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Um. And But it's always good. Again, I'm sure he'll uh, attract a lot of people there, too. Josh Williams is making his Cup Series career debut on Bristol Dirt this weekend for the Fruit City Dirt Race at Bristol. For Live Fast Motorsports, uh, they tapped him, uh, Josh Williams, the pilot, the number 78 Ford. It will be Williams' first uh, Cup Series debut. So Williams from Port Charlotte, Florida, cut his teeth in the Arkham Menard Series and is full-time in the Xfinity Series since 2019. Right now he's ranked 35th in the Xfinity Series standings, making five starts and posting an average finish of 27.2. Uh, so uh, real, real happy to see Josh Williams getting a chance at uh, his debut on dirt out of Bristol. Well, it won't be a debut in the Cup Series, but we got Justin Algar coming back to the Cup Series as he's going to run the number 77 Spire Motorsports car at Bristol Dirt. Uh, Spire Motorsports announced this week that Justin Algar will drive the number 77 car on the dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway on April 17th. This weekend will be Algar's first Cup Series start of the 2022 season and his third with Spire Motorsports in the series. Uh, Algar was last in the cup car in October of last season. And this weekend it will be his track debut at Bristol Motor Speedway at Dirt, as we've only had the one event there so far. Okay. Well, this weekend is going to have a special Easter Sunday service at Bristol Motor Speedway prior to the Food City Dirt Race. Uh, we haven't seen a race, I think, on Easter in quite a while. So this is uh, a little bit special. 
Grammy award-winning worship leader Chris Tomlin and best-selling author and pastor Max Lucado will headline a live Easter celebration service prior to the start of the Fruit City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway this Sunday. Special guest Gary LaVox, most well-known and beloved as the lead singer of Rascal Slats, will also perform during the much-anticipated event. Um, the Easter celebration will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern on a stage in the BMS Stan Midway area just inside the stadium near the E parking lot between Green and Orange Bridges. A variety of speakers from the NASCAR industry are making appearances highlighted by team owner Joe Gibbs. Now, LaVox will perform during the Easter celebration. He'll also be singing the national anthem during the pre-race ceremonies for the Fruit City Dirt Race. I'm looking forward to hearing that. So uh, I think uh, that's a very special thing that they're doing out there in the Cup Series with those uh, Easter Sunday services at Bristol. It is. I know this has kind of been of a, a sort of a hot topic, if you will. And uh, you mentioned that I want to say on Race Hub they said it, it, they haven't run on Easter Sunday for since like 1986, maybe. Um, one of the ones. Time. I hope the uh, the fans take advantage of. You mentioned Max Lucado. I read multiple of his books uh, that they get the opportunity to hear from him. Okay. Now. Let, let, Let's look at the playoff bubble and following a race number eight. So we're still a little early into it, but we always got to keep an eye on that. Uh, we're a little over a quarter of a way through the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series regular season. And current, currently, half of the playoff spots are spoken for as the series heads to Bristol Motor Speedway for the Fruit City Dirt Race on Sunday. Now, seven different drivers have won this season, securing their spot in the playoffs. Forget the series points leader is also a guaranteed position in the playoffs, even without a win. So that leaves just eight postseason spots still up for grabs with those 18 races left in that regular season. The seven different drivers with wins this year so far are William Byron, the only one with two wins. And we've got Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, Chase Briscoe, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, and Austin Sindrick, who each have one. A winless Chase Elliott currently holds the series driver's standings uh, lead, which would take up that A spot. And at the other end of the playoff outlook, we got Richard Tudor's racing teammates Tyler Reddick, who's at plus 15 and 15th spot, and Austin Dillon at plus 10 in the 16th and final playoff transfer spot. Both RCR drivers are looking for their first win of 2022. Last season at Bristol Dirt Race, Reddick started 27th and raced his way up to a 7th place finish, whereas Dillon started 9th and finished 21st. And just outside the playoff cut uh, cutoff is the 2004 NASCAR Cup Series champion and 23-11 racing's Kurt Busch. He's in 17th. 10 points separating him from Dylan. And also within striking distance of the playoffs, point cutoff are Petty GMS drivers Eric Jones and Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez. Now, last season, both Suarez uh, of fourth and Jones of ninth finished inside the top 10 at Bristol Dirt. Kurt Busch started 28th, managed to come up to finish 16th. 
see who else we got to cover there. A winner last year, but not yet so far this year. Christopher Bell currently sits in 20th spot. He's uh, six points behind Suarez, as well as Chris Busher at the same point, 173 points. And at 154, you got Bubba Wallace, Justin Haley at 135, along with Cole Custer, who's a previous race winner. Ty Dillon at 130. Michael McDowell last year got in based on his uh, Daytona win at 121. Todd Gillen, rookie, 112. Ricky Stenhouse, 111. And Harrison Burton, 110 points. He's a rookie. And then Corey LaJoy at 99 points. And that's the top 30. you got to be in the top 30 to even be eligible. Okay. Now, we mentioned Martin Truex Jr. in the Cup Series, but uh, in the Cup Series, he's going to be looking for some redemption on Bristol Dirt this weekend. Last year, he dominated uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing by leading a race high 126 of the scheduled 253 laps, 49.8% of the laps. Uh, the New Jersey native started and won the first stage, but he fell to 19th at the finish, uh, and this year he's still winless. So Truex and his team is going to Bristol looking for some redemption on dirt. He competed in the Truck Series race at Bristol and won his first in the series. Uh, and with that win, Truex became 36 of 39 drivers all time to win at least one race in all three of NASCAR's national series. He's still looking for his first win, as I mentioned, this year. Through eight races, he's accumulated one top five and four top ten finishes. So uh, this may be his weekend this weekend. We mentioned Chase Elliott's consistent pace has him out front in points. There's a reason a winless driver is currently atop the NASCAR Cup Series point standings. Boils down to consistency. No driver has a better average finish of the eight, first eight races than the 2022 in the, of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season than Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott. That early consistently has him holding the points lead heading to Bristol for the Food City Dirt Race this weekend. First eight races of the year produced five point standings lead changes amongst five different drivers. Uh, it's currently Chase Elliott now a three-point lead over second place Ryan Blaney in the standings. Elliott has one top five and five top tens on the year. And he's looking for that wild card track at Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt. Elliott last year started from 26, impressively raced his way up to a top ten finish in the tenth spot. Okay. Now, Joey Logano is the defending winner of the Bristol Dirt Race from last year. And his races probably couldn't come uh, soon enough for him. Uh, because he's another driver looking for his first win this season. In eight starts, Logano's collected two top fives and four top tens. If he gets a win this season, it will be his 11th consecutive season with a victory in the series. Last year, Logano looked like a natural on dirt at Bristol. He started 10th, uh, worked his way to the front, taking the lead on lap 193. He then held on to that lead for the last 61 laps, even fending off a wild overtime restart to get the win. Uh, with that victory, Logano became the 77th different driver to win on the dirt service in the Cup Series, and the only active driver to accomplish the feat. So he's definitely going to be one to watch this weekend as well. 
Well, and everybody's been watching William Byron in a lot of different places. He snapped the 2022 season's different winner streak. After seven different winners that won in the first seven races to kick off the 2022 Cup Series season, Hendrick Motorsports' William Byron snapped that streak by snatching the second victory of the year last weekend at Martinsville Speedway. It was Byron's first grandfather clock uh, cup trophy from the historic half mile at Martinsville, and his second of the 2022 season, and fourth of his cup career. Now the 24-year-old from Charlotte, North Carolina, heads to Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track to keep that early, some early season momentum going. Following his win last weekend, Byron had dumped a third in the Cup Series standings, just 12 points back from Hendrick Motorsports teammate Chase Elliott in that standing lead. In the eight starts, he's put up two wins coming at Atlanta and Martinsville, and has four top fives. Last season on the dirt, Byron started eighth and finished sixth, so that should keep his momentum going. Okay, we mentioned uh, that uh, it's unusual to race on Easter in the NASCAR Cup Series. It's actually the 11th time racing on Easter Sunday since its inception in 1949. The last time they competed on Easter Sunday was March 26th of 89 at Richmond Raceway, and that was a rescheduled race to Easter Sunday after being snowed out from its original date in February. The race was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace. On two other occasions, in 53 at Charlotte Speedway and 54 at Orange Speedway in Hillsboro, the race was held on Easter Sunday as a makeup date due to rain. Uh, so uh, in addition to 20 NASCAR Cup Series events that have been held on Easter weekend from Good Friday through Easter Monday, uh, Easter Monday was a public holiday in North Carolina from 35 to 87. The first time the NASCAR held a race on Easter weekend, uh, 52 when the event was in Columbia Speedway, it was held on Saturday, and Buck Baker, another Hall of Famer, was the race winner. Uh, on Easter weekends in 64, 66, and 67, the Cup Series held races on Saturday at Greenville Higgins Speedway, and on Monday at Bowman Gray Speedway. The race held on East weekend on Saturday, April 11th of 71, was the first NASCAR Cup Series in history to be broadcast live from start to finish on national television on ABC's Wide World of Sports. Some other uh, winners on Easter uh, include... Uh, Dick Passwater, Herb Thompson, Joe Weatherly, Richard Petty twice, uh, Junior Johnson, Bobby Isaac, Bobby Allison, and we mentioned Rusty Wallace. So some interesting stats there about these two weeks. Well, someday we'll add their name to that list. Uh, so we'll see who it is. Now we're going to look at the format, Cup Series uh, format here the Bristol Dirt Weekend. It's going to be similar to the Truck Series. A qualify, qualifying race starting lineup, that'll be a random draw uh, for the starting position. And the draw order will be in the current owner points. Qualifying races, we'll have four races, 15 laps each with only green flag laps counting. There's no overtime rule. And the free pass and wave round procedures, however, will still be in effect. 
a point earned in qualifying races. Uh, they'll accumulate points in the qualifying races based on finishing position and passing points. Points total of the driver's passing points plus the race finishing points determines their starting position for the future event. Mention the passing points, the difference between your assigned starting position and finishing position only going forward as you accumulate uh, passing points going forward. Going backward or finishing where you started, you don't get any passing points. And then the race finishing position points, first gets 10 points, second nine, all the way back to ninth where you would get two points. Any tiebreakers will be determined by owner points. Then the feature lineup or the feature main event, lineup will be based on that comp- combined points of qualifying race, finishing and passing points. <coughs> Excuse me. For the Cup Series race, it'll be 250 laps divided into three stages of 70, 70, 75, uh, 150, lap 150, and then 100 laps for the final to end us at 250. Some other notes, running order will be frozen at the conclusion of each stage. During the stage breaks, teams can change tires, add fuel, make adjustments to their cars or trucks. They are non-competitive pit stops, uh, must be completed in a time which will be designated by NASCAR. Uh, no fuel or tires are allowed except at stage breaks. Flat or damaged tires can be changed with the approval by NASCAR. Now, final notes here. The teams will not be required to pit during those stage breaks. If they elect not to pit, they will restart ahead of the teams that did pit, and the restart order will be determined by the freeze at the conclusion of the preceding stage. And the final additional highlight, the Trues rule will not be in effect here for the Bristol Dirt Race. The overtime rules, free pass, and big rounds, procedures of normal will all be in effect. Okay, we're going to look back at uh, some NASCAR series races on dirt. Uh, they have NASCAR has a long legacy of racing at dirt tracks prior to the modern era, which runs from 72 uh, to the present. From 1949 to 1970, however, they competed 501 races on dirt. The very first cup race uh, that was Prince paying a sanctioned race in the inaugural season of 1949 was on dirt at Charlotte's Old Speedway, uh, three-quarter mile track in Charlotte, North Carolina. The event was run by Tim Roper driving a Lincoln, including this past uh, season's dirt race at Bristol. The 502 all-time dirt cup races that produced 77 different winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer Lee Petty leads the series on dirt track wins with 46 wins, uh, followed by Buck Baker with 42 and Herb Thompson with 41. Troy Logano is a driver with a win on dirt in the Cup Series. So other drivers that have won dirt uh, include Tim Flock with 36, Ned Jarrett with 35, Richard Petty with 31, David Pearson and Junior Johnson with 23 each, Speedy Thompson at 18, Fireball Roberts, and Fonte Flock with 15 each. This week, the competitors are tasked with wrangling a Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track that has been measured to exactly a half mile. And this weekend's event, again, is 125 miles over 250 laps. NASA instituted that special format uh, for the Bud Light Pole Qualifying that includes qualifying races similar to what the Camping World Truck Series did at Eldora 
to decide the starting lineup. The lineup for qualifying races will be done by a random draw on Friday, April 15th, 3 p.m. Eastern. And there are four qualifying races scheduled with 36 entries competing, and each race will have nine competitors. So that's going to make it interesting this weekend as well. Most certainly it is. Uh, and we think about this, this is only the second uh, race here for the Cup Series, but it's the first for the next-gen car. So it's still going to be a little, little bit of changes. We talked about this, uh, some of the other changes that Dirt brought in, readjusting the track with the, what do you call it? I can't think of it. The banking, progressive banking on the it. Bank. And, they're, and they're running it at night. So a little bit different here as they try to get their second race in. Hopefully no weather affects it. Okay, the NASCAR Cup Series is going to take on uh, that next-gen car uh, this weekend. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Okay, um, let's go ahead and give our fantasy update, Jay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. For the truck series, Andy's got 28 points, lead by three over Brian and Tommy. They're tied at 25. Sam is at 22. Mike at 19. Owen and Sharon at 17. And James and I tied at 15. I'm going to try and break that. On the Xfinity <laughs> yeah, this side, not this one's up. My year, Dan. <laughs> Well, yeah, here on the Xfinity side, I know you said that. I got one series I'm way low in. The, uh, the Xfinity series is where you're at here. Uh, top is real close. Uh, Andy at 45, James at 42, I'm at 39, Mike at 36, Brian at 32, then Tommy 31, Sam 28, and then we dropped to Owen at 23, and Sharon, you got 19. Yep, that's a, it's a bad year for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, just one. I, I got to look at the overall, but uh, on the cup side, Brian had come in here. I think he's pretty much held the point lead the entire year. Got 59 points. Tommy's catching him though, 54. I'm at 51. Sharon, you're at 48 here, so 11 out. Mike at 46. Sam 41. Andy 5, and then Andy and James. I'm sorry, Owen was at 35. Andy and James tied at 34. And that puts the overall, Brian leading it, 116 points, Tommy at 110, Andy at 107, uh, myself at 105, Mike at 101. Then we've got Sam and James at 91, Sharon at 84, and Owen at 75. And let me see if I can pull up real quick our full chart here. And he picks there we go. I know we had one come in while we were on air for the truck series. Um, Brian took that Bubby, uh, Buddy Kofoid we talked about. James Kofoid. Uh, James took Ben Rhodes. I mentioned I went with Stuart Friesen. Mike went with Zane Smith because Owen took Chase Elliott. Sam took Matt Crafton. <laughs> Sharon trying to uh, capitalize on uh, Joey Logano there. So still waiting on Andy and Tommy uh, for there. And Tommy will be able to get here in a few minutes, I think. Or maybe that's the one he sent in. Nope, he sent his uh, – we got to wait on Andy on that one. Um, for the Cup Series, 
James took Daniel Suarez. We talked about how well he ran last year. Owen's going with the dirt specialist, Kyle Larson. Sam took Kyle Busch. Sharon's looking for redemption there with Martin Truex. And here is where I think Tommy chopped in. He went with Christopher Bell. Okay. So I think there might have been one more that came in after that. Oh, you're, you're right. Uh, you're right. We're, we're waiting on Andy for both. Mike immediately came in with Ricky Stenhouse. It's kind of funny. I know he's not a Ricky Stenhouse fan per se, but uh, I think we saw what he can do on dirt. So Mike went with Ricky Stenhouse. Okay. So it'll be an interesting weekend for sure. It's kind of hard to predict with the new car. But uh, I'm hoping I get uh, some points this week. We'll see what happens. Well, and I mentioned some of the things were different with the track. The next-gen car, we've seen that all year, the way things have been different. So, yeah, this really was a a tough one. And I'm not going to say a whole lot more because, unfortunately, I've got to wait two more picks here before I can go. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well, we're – at the top of the hour, so it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, joining Jay and I tonight is going to be Tommy Kraft. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Thanks for having me. How are y'all tonight? We're doing uh, We got our preview in with a little extra time to spare. So uh, that's always a good thing. Uh, Tommy, we're going to let you kick us off uh, here tonight with the first Hot Topic. Let's go of Daryl Waltrip being in the booth for Bristol Dirt. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, we've talked about this, the rotation they've done. I think that whoever Fox, between Fox and NASCAR is making these decisions, I thought they've brought in some great ones for Bristol. Who else are you going to bring in but the man that basically owned Bristol? Uh, he was on Race Hub today, and he talked about it, and uh, had seven wins in a row there, and I believe his total is like 12 or something um, for Bristol. So who better? I know, again, he's not as familiar with the next-gen car as nobody is because it's the first year out, but to, to know that track and some of the things to look for, uh, he grew up on dirt, uh, going back to the Nashville um, fairgrounds, um, running in that area. So I think it's a great, great uh, one to have in the booth. I know some fans are, are against it and uh, weren't a fan of his. I, I always still like him up in the booth. I really did. Uh, I think he does bring that connection to the past, as well as maybe not as current as somebody that's been in the car that we've had as of recent, but I thought they've all done a great job. Jack Knowles, uh, Matt Kenseth, he hasn't been in the car recently, did a great job. I think they bring each bring a unique thing, and I think Darrell Walter is going to bring a very unique aspect to Bristol. Okay. Yeah, I, I like the uh, rotating list of uh, analysts that they're bringing into the booth. Uh, Daryl Waltrip is certainly uh, a natural fit for Bristol uh, and because he lives in that area. He's, uh, as Jay mentioned, he has a lot of wins on that track, uh, not necessarily on dirt, but uh, he does have a lot of wins on that track. Uh, my only issue with him is sometimes he gets kind of carried away and kind of goes off off track, if you will. Um, uh, 
some of his reminiscing about uh, the days of yore. But uh, the stories are going to be good stories, and uh, I think it is going to be uh, interesting to, to hear his perspective uh, as uh, he sits in the booth this weekend. So from a I think it was a, a perfect fit. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm glad he's back um, coming out of retirement for this one race. He does have, like, 12 or 14 wins at Bristol. It's the most of any driver he has more than Richard Penny there. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear him uh, say, you know, his phrase before the race again. We haven't heard it in a very long time, so I'm excited for that. And, um you know, Mike Joy, he's going to have two comedians in the booth with him basically this week, uh, or two of the funnier <laughs> guys in, in NASCAR. So, um, but yeah, I'm glad DW's back. Um, he was in the booth with Larry Mack for however long, and then Jeff Gordon, and um, it's going to be like a reunion party for Larry Mack and Mike Joy and uh, DW. And then they uh, and then add Clint Boyer to it. So um, I can't wait to hear his perspective and what he thinks about uh, the Bristol Dirt and everything, uh, and for him to commentate the race this weekend. And um, I'm ready to hear boogity 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 again. Okay, Jay, anything to add there? Well, I hear what you're saying, sharing some of the reminiscing uh, um, that he goes on a tangent, if you will. The one thing I think about is, yeah, maybe some of us that have been race fans because we've heard them all or think we have, uh, put it that way. Um, but I think it's important for that for new fans to understand the history of where we come from, which DW can provide, and also kind of some of the aspects of maybe some of the changes, that, the subtle changes that we haven't even seen of, of what to look at that he can provide insight to. Um yeah, like I said, I realize he isn't as connected as when we had Matt Kenseth. Kenseth had only been removed from the car for a couple of years. The other ones we've had are Larry Reynolds is still working with the new car. So I understand that aspect of it of possibly being a little out of touch. But I don't think that will hurt more than what he can provide in, in the aspect of, of history and color to it. Um, we've seen some others we were concerned about, the combination of Tony Stewart, Clint Boyer, uh, mixture. I think Mike does a great job in the producers of keeping that on track, so I don't think we have to worry about that. Yeah. The natural fit. I, I do think uh, uh, when you're going to Bristol, the natural fit is to bring DW into the birth. And I think, as far as I know, just that one race uh, that he's going to uh, unless they come back to Bristol and, uh, you know, they always do two races, so maybe when they come back to back then. But, um, yeah, I think for the one race, it's certainly doable, and uh, I, I think it's a good fit. So even though he does get off track a little bit, I don't think it's going to hurt. Uh, Tommy, you get the final word here. Um I do like how uh, they are bringing in different uh, different person each week in the booth with Clint Boyer and Mike Joy. Uh, I'm excited to see who they're going to do for the rest of the season. I know they've done they've done Tony Stewart a couple times and Chad Canales a couple times already, but I'm ready to see some somebody new that they might bring in. Um, they had Matt Kenseth at uh, California 
Uh, they had Danica Patrick for a few races, and now they got DW. Oh, and Jeff Gordon did it. So, uh, yeah, I just wonder who else they could possibly bring in. Uh, Mark Martin went in there with Matt Kenseth, but um, I don't know if he would want to do it full time. And, you know, I mean, there are a few people out there that used to kind of do it that I'll throw out there, but I don't know if they'll do it. But, you know, Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, Kenny Wallace, um, Wally Dallenbach, uh, Alan Beswick. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of people, and they even put Larry Mack in there at one point because um, he's usually just doing the crew chief stuff, but put him in the booth. So, you know, glad that Daryl Waltrip's back and at Bristol where he won a lot. And um, I'm just excited to see who else they're going to put in there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. Okay, Jay, you get to bring up the next one. All right, we'll slide up our list here. Um, oh, I should go oh, there. Um, on pace, uh, this came from, I want to say Adam Stern. Let me pull the tweet up just to make sure. Yeah, Adam Stern posted it on Twitter that the crowd at Bristol this Sunday is tracking to be the best for a spring NASCAR Cup race at the venue, uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, and several races going based off of ticket sales. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I like to see full grandstands, and you usually, in my opinion, see full grandstands at a certain track every, every year. Uh, you know, Daytona, like the 500 and Talladega. I feel like those are usually sold out and jam-packed all the way. I'm not saying that, that not all of the races sell out, but, you know, or I'm just saying that those two races sell out, and you can tell that there's always a huge crowd there. And uh, I'm excited to hear that that's kind of going to Bristol dirt for this spring race because I feel like the spring races in the past have been, you know, not as crowded as, as the night race in the fall. And um, super speedways and short tracks are my favorite. So I really hope that they always sell out And um, because I feel like those are the most entertaining to me. I do like the road courses and the intermediate tracks as well, but not just as much as the short tracks and the super speedways. But uh, looking forward to uh, the dust and the dirt and everything that's going to be seen on TV. Uh, and... I'm just glad to hear that this will be packed again. I mean, it's the, the last great call scene. Yeah, I especially like seeing this after we had a couple drivers that kind of said that, um, or at least one driver who said that he thought it was a step backward to race on dirt in NASCAR. But if you recall, there a lot of the fans were asking for us to go back to the grassroots of NASCAR. And we talked about it in the earlier part of the show. Uh, what was it, 500 and some races that have been run on dirt in the early days of NASCAR. Uh, so it is part of the grassroots of the sport. Um, and Dale Jr. took offense, a, a not offense, I wouldn't say that, but uh, disagreed with the fact that he thought this was a step backward. Uh, and I have to agree. I think this is a step in the right direction. And I think the fact that they're, they're getting to uh, the best crowd at Bristol in several years uh, is a testament to that. 
that the fans are enjoying this kind of racing. Uh, again, I don't want them to go crazy with dirt races, uh, but uh, the fact that uh, so many people are coming back to Bristol, uh, you might recall years ago, that place was sold out and, and tickets were passed along through generations of families, uh, and it was hard to get a ticket at Bristol Motor Speedway. So this is good news for NASCAR uh, but they're getting such a big crowd, and especially over an Easter weekend, I think it's fantastic that they're getting such a big crowd. Uh, so uh, I think it's all good news. Jay? Well, I was looking for, I know uh, Quentin and I had, had this conversation. I had to find it. Um, it was from our top there, a post I put up the other night. But he was saying that the big hoopla with the Bristol dirt was no longer a fascination. Uh, as Kenny Wallace was talking about it, and uh, I disagreed with him, uh, and he admitted that the fan turnout uh, for the local, let's see where he said it here, the fan turnout for the local and regional events uh, fell on their face in comparison to last year. I don't think that's entirely true either, but the inaugural event, this is what, what I put up, was your inaugural event is always the fascination. You're going to have a good turnout for a first-time every event. Now, give it two or three years, and I know I got cut off the other night when we were talking about this, unfortunately, on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, disconnected at the wrong time, but you got to give it two to three years to truly understand the trend. Um, we talked about it of everybody kind of thinks one or maybe even up to, say, three, just as with road courses, as with super speedways. Too much of one thing isn't a good thing anymore. So it's finding that balance. I don't think one or two races, the truck series does two, the cup series does one, is a bad thing. And I certainly don't see it as a, uh, a step backwards, as Richard Petty said. Uh, I feel like Kyle just maybe doesn't want to do it in the cup car. But I mentioned earlier, they've changed the running at night. Uh, huge, huge step for dirt track racing. You know, the track conditions work better at night. They went to a little more progressive banking. We have the new car. And I'll tie this in. They're doing some testing and talking about whether or not to have the windshield. Uh, Stuart Friesen, I think, is one that was testing it, that whether or not it would be feasible. Kyle Larson wants to see it go that way so it is a true dirt racing without the windshield. NASCAR said we'll look at it some more maybe in the future, but for now, for safety reasons, we got to keep it the way it is. And I know they talked about that on Race Up. So we may see that mm-hmm. change in evolution down the road as well, but just not yet at this point. Again, you've got to give it time. Tommy, follow-up? Uh, yeah, just glad to hear that it's going to be uh, um, sold out. Just hope it doesn't rain. Uh, and if it does, then it gets postponed uh, Monday like it did last year. Uh, I'm going to have to find a way to watch it at work. Um <laughs> can't miss it but um yeah hopefully it doesn't do that hopefully the crowd's there and um yeah i'm just excited for bristol dirt and i'm even more excited for next week at talladega um can't wait um last year it rained out so i'm really excited to see see it this year and hopefully everything works out and then there's no rain delay and then they get the trucks and everything in on time and end in schedule and um yeah, and DW's back. 
Okay. Uh, you know, I heard Chad Kness talking about the windshield earlier this week, too. And he was saying, you know, this year they just can't do it because the car is just not set up to handle the dirt coming into the cockpit. So they're, they're looking at making some modifications uh, to the cockpit to be able to handle the dirt coming in through that open window. Uh, so I, I kind of have, I kind of expect them to go with no windshields next year. It's just the car's not set up for it this year, and that's why they can't do it this year. I know some of the drivers are really disappointed with that, uh, but uh, I do think uh, that it will happen next next year if they race on dirt back there at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, so yeah, I. Like I say, I just think that uh, uh, it's all good signs that uh, the fans are taking part. And I agree with you. Before they make any changes uh, of going away, which I hope they don't do, uh, I hope that they um, uh, let it let it kind of uh, simmer, if you will, like you say, for two or three years. Uh, preferably three or four years uh, before they make any drastic changes of taking dirt away. Uh, personally, I don't think they should take dirt away uh, from the NASCAR Cup Series. I think it adds to the whole element of being a well-rounded driver, of knowing uh, you know how to drive on the road courses, the short tracks, the dirt tracks, the super speedways, the, the you know, 1.5 mile tracks. I like the diversity of the tracks, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, and just like uh, road course racing, I think that um, uh, the fact that they uh, drivers have gotten better over time at road course racing, and now we have a lot more road courses on the circuit. I think the same thing can happen with dirt. As the drivers become more proficient on dirt. Uh, and become better racers on dirt could have an evolution here. So I think it's all good. Jay? Yeah, you hit on on one key thing I was going to talk about there is, is that as, as far as NASCAR, especially at the Premier Series, the, the NASCAR Cup Series, the diversity um, of that. And I think that is one of the things they still do hold over all other series is the diversity of the style of track. So, um I think that is a huge, huge key element. So I know, uh, and I don't know, Sharon, if you got to mention this uh, after I got cut off the other night. I know when I got cut off, the talk was about doing it on a track other than Bristol rather than taking Bristol away. There really are only a couple of tracks, I think, that are big enough and can support the Cup Series cars um, when it comes to a true uh, real dirt track. So I think they're doing the best they can, just like we saw they in Charlotte. And Indianapolis evolved with the Rovals, if you will, um, to make them happen rather than going to a full road course. We've seen Coda develop that, that developed for the heavier stock cars that we're seeing NASCAR put on them. But the second year, again, take the weather away from it is a huge factor for both Coda and Bristol. Um, let it evolve. Let them develop. Let them get better. And, and you mentioned it just with road coursing in general. It used to be if you were picking a race winner, it was from one of a handful of five, six drivers, and that even included some ringers coming in. Okay? As that developed, now you're looking at 10, 15 drivers we know could win. So I think the same thing with this dirt. I think one a year, maybe two or three at most things. So I don't want to see them take it away either. 
Yeah, I think Tommy mentioned the surf track on Charlotte. It's just across the street from the uh, uh, 1.5-mile track there. So, yeah, we'll have to see how this continues to evolve. But I agree with you. I think we need to, to let it so these drivers get more proficient at it. Uh, I remember Matt Grafton uh, racing, doing some dirt racing on the side, if you will, in order to get better on the dirt track. So that's always good. Okay, Tommy, you're up next for this uh, uh, next topic. Uh, well, let's go with um, Chandler Smith to run three races for Sam Hunt Racing. Okay, Jay, your thoughts about that? Well, one thing that we've seen different drivers get is selected starts. John Hunter Nemechek uh, being most recent that comes to mind. I know he's run full-time before. This was only natural to see this happen um, for Chandler Smith, you know, what he can do in the truck series, taking a peek into the Xfinity series and what might be his next step. The thing I take from it is Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, we have seen they have put different drivers in that car once they get one driver and go full-time, I think they're immediately got to be considered a championship contender. Because we have seen that team, no matter what driver is in it, run up front and compete for at least a top five, top ten finish. So once they get a full-time driver, whether it be Chandler Smith next year, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see how he does these three starts. But I think they're a championship contending team once they get a full-time driver. Okay, yeah, I think this is great that um, uh, Chandler Smith is getting that opportunity, uh, and I think this is the best way to do it. Sometimes you find out that a driver uh, might be good at trucks and and wants to make that transition to the Xfinity Series, uh, coming in on a part-time basis and running a few races uh, with a team, I think is, is uh, a good progression uh, for some of the up-and-coming drivers uh, that are coming up through the series. Chandler Smith also races uh, uh, a lot of the uh, – he does some racing outside of NASCAR as well. I know he's raced uh, some of the SRL races as well. Uh, and uh, it's going it, to be fun to watch his career continue to progress. So I'm curious to see what he does. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts about it? Uh, well, it's good for him to get the experience at the Xfinity level. Um, he's won, uh, I believe, a race or two now in the truck series, so it's time for him to, you know, get some Xfinity experience so that way maybe in the future he'll be moved up full-time to that series. And um, Toyota, Joe Gibbs is affiliated with uh, Sam Hunt Racing, I believe. And uh, they've had drivers like Jeffrey Earnhardt, John Hunter Nemechek, and um, – some other people like that uh, in that car before. And I think John Hunter Nemechek most recently did really good in that, in that car a couple of races ago, either at like Richmond or Phoenix or something, wherever it was at. So um, good opportunity for him. And um, we'll see how he does in that vehicle. I mean, I wouldn't say it's top equipment, but it's not bad equipment because John Hunter Nemechek did really good in it a few weeks ago. So, uh, we'll see what um, see what Chandler Smith can do with it. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, Chandler, one of those that actually comes up, uh, as well as the other Smith, Zane Smith, um, I think he was actually supposed to this past year already with Chip Ganassi, but when they sold out, um, that kind of left him without a ride. That would have been going directly to Cup. So we'll see if he gets any starts this year. Um, I, I see the, the evolution changing in the Xfinity Series as we've seen Joe Gibbs Racing drop a team, uh, Penske only running one or two races. I know we've talked about junior motorsports. If they go to Cup, what their Xfinity Series program might look at. So what what comes of that is these teams like Sam Hunt Racing that become the solid Xfinity Series teams. Uh, and we saw GMS Racing do this. They, and then they pulled out, went to the trucks, but then moved right up to the cup. So to see these teams be involved at the Xfinity Series level that aren't necessarily cup-affiliated or have that direct tie to a cup team, be that strong and competitive, um, I, I like to see that. And I think that just bodes well for the whole Xfinity Series. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Good to see uh, the evolution that's taking place in the uh, – uh, Xfinity Series, but there needs to be other teams uh, that can kind of rise up to the occasion, especially if some of these other teams start to back away from the Xfinity Series. Um, I, I really like, there was a time when I, I wasn't really enjoying the Xfinity Series racing, but in more recent years, they've really upped the game. Uh, with Junior Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing and and some of these other teams that have been involved in it. So it's going to be interesting to see who does rise to the occasion, and Sam Hunt Racing could certainly be one of those organizations. And I think you might see more uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports entries maybe as well in the Xfinity Series. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it continues to evolve, but uh, what he's doing with uh, giving these drivers a chance to race uh, from the truck series to come into the Xfinity series, Sam Hunt Racing is doing a great job. And like you say, John Hunter Nubichuk has run really well with them. And testament too to, to his ability as a race car driver. So uh, we'll see what Chandler Smith does this weekend. I'm um, looking forward to seeing him on the track. You get the final word, Tommy. Yeah, we'll see what he's able to do. And um, the Joe Gibbs equipment, basically. Um, hopefully he does well, and it's good for him to get the experience. And uh, can't wait to see how he does. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'll go ahead and make my announcement. And then, Jay, if you've got another topic, we'll go to you next. Um, All right. We're at that point of the night where we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Central Time, or I'm sorry, Eastern Time. And um, uh, for those people that are tuning in maybe for the first time, I just want to give you an alert that we're going to go off air uh, at that time, but we are going to continue recording the rest of our conversation, and that conversation will be available on our podcast. So... When we get finished here tonight uh, for the overtime material, I will go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, uh, all you have to do is go to the player that's available at com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and then you'll see the rest of our conversation 
uh, beyond that 1030 time frame. So uh, we didn't want anybody to be caught off guard not knowing how they can hear the rest of that conversation of our Hot Topics uh, discussion. And uh, with that, Jay, we're ready to hear what our next Hot Topic is. Well, this one's kind of a follow-up. I don't think we actually got to talk about the penalty for Ty Gibbs, a $15,000 fine, which was for the use of the car, uh, the bumping on pit road, on the track and pit road, uh, not the actual fight with Sam Mayer, but it was a $15,000 fine. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts about the 15 Okay, fine for uh, Ty Gibbs for hitting him on pit road. Uh, you know, um, I'm glad that he was fine. I mean, they needed to do something, in my opinion. I mean, you can't you can't move people out of the way every week and then get moved out of the way and then respond that way. Um, so something needed to be done. I mean, he did ram him twice after the race. Um, then basically sped behind him on pit road, parked really close, got out, pushed him, shoved him through punches. An official got hurt. So, yeah, I I feel like the fine was necessary. Um, But, you know, he's already won three races this year, so I'm sure he's got $15,000 to pay that off. Um, (laughs) But... You know, maybe docking points or something like that would make the drivers not fight any longer because that would be in the back of their head. But at the same time, I mean, these guys get out of their cars. They've been racing. Their adrenaline's going in and going so fast, you know, heart's beating really quick. They're not going to be thinking. They're upset. And, yeah, I mean, throwing this is going to happen. So I don't even know if, Docking them points for that would be necessary either. So I mean, it's just and fans like the uh, the the fighting part. I'm about like Dale Jr. We should make NASCAR kind of like hockey when they throw the helmets off or the gloves off or whatever after the race. You know, let them have it. But then I get it from the sponsorship perspective that you can't have your driver fighting every week. But you know, it is what it is. At least at least we're still talking about it. I guess. Yeah, unfortunately, controversy always uh, stirs up a lot of conversation. Uh, Mike Orzel, who's not here tonight, uh, did say um, that uh, still kind of a slap on the wrist penalty, in my opinion. I would have a few positions on track or X number of points, but they haven't set that standard or rule yet. So I guess they shouldn't just randomly start with him. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I'm not a fan of fines as punishment anyway, punishable by fines for a price. Uh, points penalties hurt these teams far more than carry. And then, Jay, I'll let you represent yourself. But um, uh, I, I tend to agree. These guys are wrong. And I, I know that there are fans that enjoy the fights, that enjoy the wrecking on the track and all of that kind of thing. I'm not one of those fans. I think these guys are role models. uh, And if we – I think it's good for – it's a good role model for kids that follow this sport. Uh, And I think that they need to uh, uh, grow up, if you will, 
and kind of manage uh, their emotions a little bit differently. I understand how difficult and how hard that is. I know NASCAR kind of, uh, I don't want to say they condone it, but they've taken a boys have at it kind of attitude uh, where they kind of work these things out for themselves. But they need to work it out for themselves off of the track. They should not be using cars as a weapon on the track. Now, I say as a weapon, time you bump another competitor's car uh, on the track, uh, that's not the way to handle these kind of situations. It, it just isn't. Uh, for me, I think the way to handle it is to let each other have a cool-down period uh, and then take care of it away from the track basis, certainly uh, in front of the fans. That, however, does not stir up controversy, and it doesn't keep people talking about it for the next week or two. Uh, so I get where NASCAR is coming from there. But again, I think as a driver, uh, you're, a role, you're a role model whether you want to own up to it or not. And there's a lot of kids watching this, and if, if uh, they see a driver out there on the track throwing punches, uh, or bumping other cars after the race is over, uh, it's just not a good role model uh, perspective from my point of view. Uh, I'm a mom, so I guess that's the way I look at things. But um, uh, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say, Jay. <laughs> well, I want to clear up two things first. Again, the penalty was for the use of the vehicle, not the actual yes. fighting, but the bumping with the vehicle. So that's the first thing. That's what he was penalized for. Uh, I'm sure NASCAR doesn't necessarily encourage the fighting on, on pit road, but then the key factor goes to it is between two drivers. The other point I wanted to clarify, Sharon, there you read things. Two of those were mine and two were Mike's, and there's a reason I want to separate this. I said it's the slap on the wrist penalty still in my oh, opinion. Oh, you did say that. Um, I'm sorry. No, no problem. Um, being docked a few positions on track for X number of points, and they haven't set a standard or rule, so they can't just randomly start with him. So that needs to be established of, hey, either this, year mo- or this race moving forward or next year this is what we're going to do. The reason I wanted to separate that is because, unfortunately, i got to give so much props to Mike here. He said, with the, uh, I'm not a fan of the fine, this punishment anyway, because it means it's punishable by fine. This means legal for a price. And, and I would have to agree with that. And listening to SiriusXM, they had that same thought of it's got to be points, but they specifically said it's got to be playoff points. We saw this with Brad Keselowski's penalty, because if you penalize in this position right now Ty Gibbs, He's got three race wins. Once the playoffs start, what does that matter? It doesn't. Neither does the $15,000. So that's where I think that, that uh, they took it even a step further. It's got to be the playoff point because that's where it all matters is once you get into the playoffs and going for that championship. Um, but I, I really did like Mike's, um, Mike's point there of it. it's legal for a price. You know, you want to pay this and this fine to do this. That they might so choose. So now, if you're taking away playoff points, that's another whole story. And the other one, uh, I'll, wait, I'll wait until my second turn around here. We'll go back around. I want to expand on the uh, hockey thing that Tommy brought up. Okay, uh, Tommy. 
so yeah, um, I just, you know, the fighting part. They, he, I don't know. The sign, I guess, is is what he, he is necessary. But you know, docking points. I just don't know if that's the way to go. But it definitely would stop the fighting. But then again, like I'm saying, I don't want the fighting to necessarily stop because it does. You do need something like Ty Gibbs did this weekend at Martinsville. You do need it every now and then. Like um, Jeff Gordon pushing Matt Kenseth to Bristol. Uh, you know, Kyle Bush and Joey Logano at Vegas. Uh, Matt Kenseth and somebody at Charlotte, I believe, when they were in between the haulers. Was that Matt and Brad Kozlowski, I think, maybe? Um Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman a few years ago at Charlotte. You know, it is exciting, and um, it does – fans do cheer it on at the race. You know, everybody does kind of want to see it. But at the same time, it doesn't look very good. But, um, oh, last year it was uh, Noah Graxton and Daniel Hedrick because Noah tried to throw one and Daniel dodged it like a pro and then threw a left hook like a pro. So, um (laughs) – and I even – I think Denny actually tweeted about this after the fight. I feel like um, they have, like, a MMA or somebody that comes in and trains uh, at Joe Gibbs, like, does their training. So, Harrison Burton, uh, Daniel Hemrick, Danny Hamlin, and Ty Gibbs, it all makes sense now if they are training and, and fighting. I wouldn't want to uh, start any mess with them because they, uh, they're trained to fight, I guess, or something. I don't know. So they're they're ready to throw punches after the race. Is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, fighting can also be a good exercise. I get that. Uh, as far as I know, a lot of people do boxing uh, as part of their exercise regimen. Um, it, it's discouraging to me that they would. If they're doing it for exercise, I'm good with it. If they're doing it to be more proficient at fighting on pit road, um, I'm just not a fan of it. Um, That's the mom in me. (laughs) So I apologize. But um, I I hear what you're saying about the fine being a slap on the wrist. I agree with that. I do think that they need you to be doing something more, especially a $15,000 fine. That, that is nothing compared to the money that these guys are making. And uh, a lot of that money goes into a fund that goes to the uh, uh, NASCAR Foundation, from what I understand. But I, I, so it all goes for a cause. Um, but I think they have to do something more than $15,000. Uh, I couldn't agree more with Mike's comment, legal for a price. Uh, you're basically saying it's okay, just know you're going to have to pay for it afterwards uh, with a little bit of money. For them guys, 15000 is a little bit of money. They have to do something more if they want to fighting. To me, it's just saying that NASCAR doesn't necessarily want to stop it. Uh, and again, you're right, Jay. This is not about the fighting on pit road. This is about the using the car as a weapon to bump your competitor after the race is over or on pit road. That's not okay with NASCAR. But again, $15,000 as a fine is more or less saying it's okay for a price. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with that. 
your car should never, ever be on the track to bump your competitors. Uh, and I know it happens. I know sometimes it's an accident, uh, but it does happen. Uh, uh, I don't think it should happen. Oh, that's, that's just where I'm at, looking at it from a different perspective. And I know I'm in the minority here to a certain degree. So, Jay, let's go ahead and hear your thoughts. Yeah, there, there's a certain level. You know, we want to see drivers be emotional, show that intensity, stand up for themselves, not with the vehicle. And that's where I think you're right. $15,000 fine really isn't NASCAR saying, hey, you need to stop this. They tried that with the cheating aspect. That didn't work. They are not docking 100 points. And as well as a fine, I don't remember what Brad Keselowski's uh, monetary fine was, but it was a lot heftier because they said, we don't want this. If you don't want them using the vehicle, you have to send a stronger message than that. Um, as far as that, Tommy talked about Dale Jr., his statement was about hockey. In hockey, when two players want to get into it and they both declare by taking off their gloves and throwing down their stick, everybody backs off to include the referee. They go at it. When one either goes down or one quits fighting, then it's over and they separate them. But they let those two go at it. The problem is, especially on a pit road in NASCAR, you've got the entire crew that's there, whatever it be. We've seen in the past the NASCAR official, and I want to say it involved Denny Hamlin, getting yanked down from behind that somebody was supposedly trying to pull him off of the pile or whatever. That's where it gets really dangerous. Um, so that, that was Junior's point. If the two drivers want to go at it, everybody stand back, let them go at it. Again, when it's over, then separate them, uh, whether it's one by choice or, again, it's a, in hockey, it's one of them does go to the ground. Um, as long as they're both standing up and still throwing punches, they let them go at it. And I, think he, I think he said it was called the third man. If a third person gets involved in it, his penalty is going to be twice that of the two that were involved in the fight to begin with. So leave it between the two of them. And, and I got no problem with that. You know, if one driver doesn't want to and is walking away and the other one's doing uh, the sucker punch or something, yeah, then you have another issue. Um, but these two obviously were both still face-to-face. I know Ty Gibbs kind of started to walk away after he did his. Um, and I don't think that's mature either. That goes along with not even taking the helmet off uh, so you can't get hit back. But that's one of those that yeah, does come at a certain point where – yeah, I know that was a big thing on Twitter. He he got crucified for that of not taking the helmet off, which I agree with, but I didn't think it was that big a thing. But that seemed to be the biggest thing that anybody cared about during that whole thing was him not taking his helmet well, off. Um, right back. What are you going to do? You're going to punch the helmet? No. Yeah. Well, and somebody compared, they said, actually, if you think about it from his aspect, it was smart. He knows he's smaller, so... You know, and I don't know if that was his intent or again he was that emotional that he didn't really think about it. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see as we talked about where he goes moving forward. Because uh, again, you don't want that kind of reputation. It all started because he couldn't handle being pushed out of the way when he's been doing it for a couple of weeks. But um, again, with the fine itself, I don't think it was strong enough, and it was for the on-track activity or pit road activity with the vehicle. NASCAR needs to step that up. What they decide to do as far as, as, far as you said, and really as far as the fighting uh, between the two drivers, don't appear to willing to do anything. they got to let them sort that out. 
I think your team owners, your sponsors, uh, we've seen that in the past, they're going to have a say in that and influence that one way or another. So that'll kind of sort itself out. Yeah, I hope you're right. Okay, uh, we still have a little time here. Tommy, you got another topic? Um, I'm trying to think of one. Um, do you guys have any? Maybe you can circle back to me if maybe Jay's got another one. Jay? Yeah, Mike had another one up here that, um, and I, and this is one, we've been agreeing a lot here as of late this year, but there was one, and it was the Kaz Grala replacing Jade Buford. I'm looking for it on our sheet here. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Jeff Gluck, Jeff Gluck tweeted, Big Machine Racing says Kaz Grala will drive the number 48 Xfinity Series car at Talladega and Dover in place of Jade Buford as the team evaluates its program. Owner Scott Bershetta says he's looking at all aspects of the team as I am determined to run up front. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts about that? Uh, I'm sorry, I think I, I missed which one was that. Oh, it's uh, it's the one Mike posted. It's a post by Jeff Luck. He says, "Big Machine Racing says Casgrala will drive its number 48 Xfinity Series car at Talladega and Dover in place of Jade Buford as the team evaluates its program." Owner Scott Borchetta said he's looking at all aspects of the team as I'm determined to run up front. No, yep, I, I just saw it now that you, once you uh, posted something, once you said covered, it, it came down and I see it now. But, um, yeah, so Kaz Grala, um, he's a, he'll probably be running up front at Talladega in that car. Um, he most recently raced, raced the 500 uh, for the, the money team. Uh, did he make, yeah, and he raced at Coda with them too, so, um you know, excited to see him in the car. I feel like he was at RCR somewhere last year. Um, and this year he's kind of got a couple of rides like, you know, like the one this weekend or at the one at Talladega and um, Dover coming up um, with uh, Jade Buford's uh, team. So um, good for him. I'm excited to see him at Talladega and um, hopefully we get to see him in some Cup Series races with the money team and uh, maybe some more competitive cars uh, in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series and Cup Series because I feel like he is a good driver. He's just um, bounced around a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's more to this or not, but it, I, to me, what I get out of that post, is that the team owner is saying that uh, he feels that uh, Kaz maybe do a better job in that car at those tracks, Talladega and Dover, uh, versus Jake Buford. Now, Jake Buford has had some good runs uh, this year. I don't think he's looking at replacing unless there's something more than this host uh, involved in this conversation. But uh, I think he's just saying, let's try somebody else in the car it can maybe give us some feedback that can help us make the car better for Jake Uh That's the way that I read it. 
He's determined to improve his program. He thinks bringing in a different driver can help them do that is, is what I get out of it. And I agree. I wish Cantrell would get a steady ride. He's a good racer. Uh, he's very methodical, and uh, he's especially good on the road courses, I think. But uh, he's another driver that deserves to get a full-time ride somewhere, and I wish somebody would pick him up. But I think that they're bringing him in to kind of help evaluate the program at uh, Big Machine Racing. So, Jay, is that how you read it, or is there something else more to this? No, that, that's what I take. I mean, the team owner said that he wants to be up front winning races and contending every week. So I respect that, that the team owner and, and as an organization – they want to improve. In that case, you bring in, you mentioned it, a driver like Taz Gurala, um hasn't ever quite panned out in a full-time ride, I think just needs that opportunity. Um, but to bring in a veteran driver, and I was trying to look, I, I couldn't, couldn't pull it up, but Jade Buford is a rookie, so for to improve a program, a rookie isn't going to be able to do that other than what he knows, which is limited, not just due to his experience. Um, and that's where I disagree with, with what Mike said. I don't have the statistic line on Jay Buford. But I don't consider him a bust for the year. You mentioned, Sharon, he's had several good runs. And like I said, I don't have the stat line to pull where those were at. But that doesn't mean that the team and organization can't be improved with input from a driver such as Paz Grala. Um The other one I think we've seen this with is Jesse Ruggis, and he's part owner in that team, they've had Kyle Weatherman in the car. I think that's the same thing they're going through is where can the organization improve so that we can help this young driver improve? Exactly. That's that's what I'm reading into it. Uh, I hope that's the case. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I'm just excited for Talladega. Uh, we've been talking about Bristol Dirt and Talladega today, and I'm so excited for both. But, man, I'm really looking forward to next weekend, um, Saturday and Sunday, for the uh, Talladega Xfinity and Cup races. I can't wait. Um, Talladega is my favorite track. And uh, excited for Kaz Grala to get, some, um, to get an opportunity to be up front in that car at Talladega, and um, maybe he'll come away with a win. And uh, like you guys are saying, maybe he'll make the car a little bit more competitive and give them some good feedback. But um, he does deserve to be in a uh, a car somewhere in the Xfinity or um, Cup Series full time and uh, in in decent equipment, so or Truck Series even. Um, but either way, uh, like I said, he'll be competitive next week, and you always have a chance to win at Talladega, honestly. Yeah, I. And uh, he's a good super speedway racer as well uh, as a road course racer. But, yeah, I, I don't really have to add. I think, I think we pretty much covered it. But, Jay, do you have anything else to add? I just hope, like you said, uh, this is a case the same as when I talk about a new race such as the Bristol Dirt. You've got to give it time. And I know I'm not the one paying the bills. Um, but when you bring in a rookie or a young driver, you've got to give them time to develop. And, and I always mm-hmm. think back to the, what I feel is one of the worst cases of not being given that chance was Casey Atwood. And when he got let go, just up and ended up disappearing out of the sport. And I'd hate to see that happen to somebody like 
Jade Buford because we saw that he has had his good runs. Um, just needs that time. Uh, I, like I said, I understand it's all about winning and, and running up front now. You know, when it comes to the sponsors, that that's a factor. Uh, but I just hope he still gets that opportunity. Hopefully, Kaz Grala can provide some insight, maybe help him as a driver, help the organization as a as a whole with the with the car setups or uh, aspects to look at that will improve with Jay Buford. Because uh, I'd hate to see him be one that just up and disappears. Yep, I hear you. Because uh, he has had some good runs. Okay, Tommy, did you come up with something else you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, ma'am. I don't. I don't have anything on the top of my mind. Dad. Sorry. Oh, okay, that's okay. Uh, Jay, what do you got? Uh, I think that was pretty much all we had. Um, I was trying to see. Uh, I know we kind of had some follow up on the Brad Keselowski. I know NASCAR uh, the issue with that. I think Brad kind of said it in one of his interviews this past. Hold on a second. Dog's got a squeak toy. Okay. Um, Brad Keselowski talked about it that they did it themselves. That they to repair the panel they did. They didn't get it back to specification. Um, so that's why the, that penalty was. It wasn't necessarily that they were. Well, we, did, we still don't know for sure of the intent of it, but it did not meet the specifications with their repair to bring it back to standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, now we're getting those details about that. They understand. The good news is that they understand what they did wrong, I guess. But, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I don't really know much about the car and stuff. It, it just um, stinks that Brad Kozlowski got hit with such a hefty penalty, but then again, he shouldn't have done what he did. So um, they got in trouble at the Daytona duels earlier this year for um, something, but they ended up not getting fined or in serious trouble or anything. I didn't mean to say they got in trouble, but, you know, those tires did get confiscated and looked at for the Daytona race. So, um he was probably he was already you know under the scope, so uh, he should have been a little bit more careful. But uh, you know, just just thinks that he's been hit with that penalty because he's pretty much in a a win situation now. Unless if he has you know nothing but top tens throughout the rest of the season. So, um, but they said they didn't want people breaking the rules, and he broke the rules, and he's he's paid the price. Yeah, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. We knew it was going to happen, though. We, we knew somebody was going to test it, and they happened to be the guinea pigs in this case. Uh, but I think it sets the tone for everybody else that they know they cannot tamper in any way, shape, or form with those 30-some parts that NASCAR gives them as spec parts. So um, uh, hopefully we won't see any more fines. Uh, to that extent, uh, but I think that the the fine and the hundred point fee, along with the playoff point penalty, uh, really set the tone uh, for everybody. That you know you don't want that to happen to your team. Can they still make it into the playoffs? I believe they can. Uh, last I looked, I think he was thirty first in points. Um, 
So he, I, I think uh, Brad Keselowski is capable of fitting his team within the top 30 without a problem. The question I have is if we get the 16 drivers uh, this year with just one win, it's going to take him more than one win to make it into the playoffs. Uh, so just as a guarantee, uh, my my uh, suggestion is that they after multiple wins in order to guarantee a spot into the playoffs. Uh, but the wins are not easy to come by this year, so we'll have to see what happens for Brad Keselowski. But I, I certainly think that even though it's a hefty fine and it sends the message, I do think that um, uh, it's going to take more than one win for Brad Keselowski to make it into the playoffs this year. I, I might be wrong, but that's that's at this point. Okay. Well, we talked about that when we, when we talked about if he was capable of it. That one win might get him in, but that only gets back half of his lost point. Um, it's putting yeah. him still in a severe deficit in the playoffs. So um, my big thing here is even if you have, and, and it, I don't remember which panel underneath the car that it was, if you're going to put it on the car and you drop it on the floor and think it might have gotten banged up, you better take it to NASCAR and ask, hey, does this still meet the specs? I mean, it's that simple. Like I said, if you bang mm-hmm. it up or whatever, and, and I think NASCAR said it of, of then take it to the manufacturer. Don't try and repair it yourself. Take it to them. Make sure that it gets fixed uh, the way it's supposed to. And, and that's kind of what I think Brad uh, alluded to was that they just didn't do a good enough job fixing it and getting it back with inspect. Um, now, again, that's giving them the benefit of the doubt, whatever part on it that was out of uh, the limits was something that they felt definitely gave an advantage. So that question of intent is still there, especially since Tommy mentioned they got hit at Talladega doing something, which although NASCAR said, okay, we're going to go with, they didn't ask or didn't get approval from them before. So I think that's... The They're still violated, like yeah. Right. Uh, you know, they, they went ahead before NASCAR okayed it, and that's why they took the tires away from them. Um, so, like I said, if, if you got that panel and you drop it on the floor and you think it might be bent, you better get it checked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that, that message is pretty loud and clear. Tommy, your thoughts and follow-up? Just hope that Brad Kay is able to recover and... uh hopefully get into the playoffs with either a win or, you know, like I said, a string of some good finishes, but um, guys, they, the guys have been warned, don't make, don't break the rules or you'll get hit with a similar fine or a similar penalty. Yep. Yep. That definitely is the message. Um, and you're right, Jay. It, it's all about if something does happen to that part, take it to NASCAR and get their approval uh, before you put it on the car, or take it back to the manufacturer and get a new, a new piece, or uh, get that repaired by the manufacturer who knows exactly what has to be done. So um, that's that's there's not a whole lot more to say there. Jay, your follow up. Yeah, no, that'd be it. You know, they've said, hey, these thirty parts. You know, need to be exactly this. And like I said, it may be it may have been unintentional in that case. I think it was uh, raced uh, prior, and they were just trying to repair it, so they didn't have to get the new one. But you got to make sure that 
it's back to that standard set specification. And like I said, I'm sure that NASCAR would tell you whether or not it is if you take it to them. So that to me is the easy answer. (laughs) There you go. And why they didn't want to say a whole lot about it ahead of time. Okay. Um, Okay, we're kind of at the end of the show here for tonight, so let's go ahead and start our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you. Fan on Twitter. Um, haven't tweeted in a while, but I'll eventually tweet, and I'll eventually write out an article for you guys to read. But uh, thanks for having me on the show tonight. I really enjoyed it. Well, thanks for being available. We really appreciate it, Tommy. Uh, Jay? Uh, you can follow me, Michael Houston, on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Being um, that it is Easter weekend, we got some things I'm doing with the church, but uh, might be able to go be a spectator at a, at a track. Uh, why not Motorsports Park? If I get the opportunity to be on there Saturday, it would be just to sit and watch. I don't get to do that a whole lot anymore, but uh, sit and watch the MSTS uh, Super Late Models. Okay. Uh, I'm Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanforRacing.com. I know we'll have Sam's uh, recaps up after the weekend. And uh, I don't know, I haven't heard from Owen in a while, but hopefully he'll get back to doing the power rankings here as well. Uh, we did have um, uh, Roger Carew scheduled for tonight. We did a switch there and put in LaVar Scott. Uh, who gave us a great interview, by the way. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that during the 9 o'clock half hour or the second half hour of the show. Um, we do have Amber coming up next week. We have Amber Falcon uh, scheduled from Rut Jones Racing on Monday night. And Sal has a guest on Monday. We're going to kind of switch things up just a little bit because Sal, unfortunately, I guess it's his birthday on Monday. So we're going to put his guest on in the first half hour and then Jay's going to come on board and finish out the show with me as we review the racing at Bristol Motor Speedway on Monday. But uh, we do have two guests. Uh, uh, we'll announce who that guest is on Monday uh, and uh, we also have Amber Brown Kane Malkin from Rhett Jones Racing that will be on the show uh, at 9 o'clock. On Monday, uh, and then Thursday, you've got Charles Hedge, who's the race announcer, coming on board. Jay, if you want to say something about that. Well, I had the pleasure. He is one that has uh, announced uh, everything. I think on the front, been doing it a long time. I'm not going to give away his age, uh, but he's been doing it a long time. Still has a radio show from Atlanta, so I know we're going to work with that as far as uh, schedule. Uh, Yes, man, but I can't wait to talk to him. I had the pleasure to work with him over at Livonia Speedway, where he still announces at a dirt track now um, at this point in his career. So can't wait to hear him and talk to him from the announcement aspect. Okay, that's on Thursday night next week. So a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in to hear what we have to say. We always appreciate that. Whether it's on the live podcast or the podcast, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. And then also to our Fan for Racing crew here tonight, Jay Huseman and uh, Tommy Kraft. Uh, Tommy, you're always good about stepping in when we need somebody, and uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, Jay, of course, uh, stepping in next week for Sal. Very much appreciated uh, when you're able to back us up that way as well. 
So uh, we had a good show tonight. Uh, definitely a lot of topics. I'm beginning to think we need to go to the three-people format versus the four-people format again because uh, we can get more hot topics in. So uh, that's always a good thing, too. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. and We'll talk to you on the other side. I uh, can't wait for the Bristol Dirt Racing this weekend. As long as the drivers keep cheating and fighting, we'll have plenty of hot topics. <laughs> Come on, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay, good night, everybody. Good night. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.